The question is, do I have a God complex? Dr. Kessler says yes. Which makes me wonder if this lawyer has any idea as to the kind of grades one has to receive in college to be accepted at a top medical school. If you have the vaguest clue as to how talented someone has to be to lead a surgical team. I have an MD from Harvard. I am board certified in cardiothoracic medicine and trauma surgery. I have been awarded citations from seven different medical boards in New England. And I am never, ever sick at sea. So I ask you, when someone goes into that chapel and they fall on their knees and they pray to God that their wife doesn't miscarry, or that their daughter doesn't bleed to death, or that their mother doesn't suffer acute neural trauma from post-operative shock, who do you think they're praying to? Now, you go ahead and read your Bible, Dennis, and you go to your church, and with any luck you might win the annual raffle, but if you're looking for God... He was in operating room number two on November 17th, and he doesn't like to be second-guessed. You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. Five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of May, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedy and whimsy. Uh, thank you for coming along. It is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for uh, being there. It's 503 733 2970. <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't checked my email yet this morning. We were just doing the recap. <laughs> just open up my email, and the first subject line I see is four. Why the hell would you roll four dollars in coins? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It's one of the best bits. <laughs> it's been a full day, and it's just as ludicrous. It is. Tim and I were laughing about it in the kitchen this morning. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense at all. I promise not to laugh yesterday. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep it together. All right, Emerson. Buckle down. We'll get through this. Well, okay. Hi there. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. If you'd like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, uh, what have ye. Uh, you can join us there. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Uh, or Richie with a T at 970.am. May you, can you sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you so much. No, no, no. Thank you. No, no, thank you. Don't you go change. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about... The interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the somewhere in between. Um, all right, here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today. I have some. I was running a little bit late today, so I haven't uh, categorized all of these. I got a whole pile of news stories here. Maybe I'll sort these live on the air. Won't that be fun? But there's some story here 
I swear to Christ, for Hillary Clinton said, here we go. Hillary Clinton claims to be leading in, quote, every poll. So we'll ask Lisa about that. At a certain point, it just becomes sad. Uh, let's see. Steve Kastenbaum will join us today to talk about the world premiere of the Sex and the City movie. And by the way, I don't know if you saw the prep sheet, but he actually did say here, uh, CNN's, first of all, did you see that he's calling himself Steve and the City Kastenbaum? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, he actually just instant messaged me. So I guess he didn't see the movie, but he met all of the, the cast members. And he does note twice in the prep sheet that it was the pink carpet. So I think you did, you kind of, you pulled his sleeve to that. Oh, so. I saw the pink carpet. And what? That sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we'll talk uh, a little bit about the Sex in the City movie last night, uh, which which I didn't go to, but which Sarah was able to see. You look like a pack of fruit striped gum today. I kind of can't get past it. I really like this shirt. I just got it. It's very, it's sort of aggressively happy. I got it at Goodwill for like $2. It's not the sort of thing you would typically wear. I mean, I like it. It's just very, it's very sort of bright and sunshiny. All right. Do they still sell? I'm bright and sunshiny, Rick Emerson. Do they sell fruit striped gum anywhere still? You know, fruit striped gum is a thing that I never really saw in person. I only saw it advertised in the back of, uh, in the backs of comic books. And it had that weird, it had that weird Technicolor zebra thing that they used as the mascot. In any event, uh, so Steve Kasten will be joining us today to talk about the Sex and the City movie, about which Sarah Dillon will also speak. Uh, Lisa Desjardins, uh, we have Taser Watch coming up today, uh, Penis Watch coming up today. Later on, uh, we'll be joined by Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And then I have uh, some, some notes to get to, but before I do any of that and before we do anything else, let me just say that today we'll be doing a follow-up to yesterday's Top 5 list. So yesterday we did the Top 5 artists to accompany Teenage Moping, and I got... I, I mean, we did the list, and immediately, I mean, the, the phones and emails and everybody, all these artists, people thought we we left off, and it was actually, it was it struck such a chord with people that I was up in my office yesterday after the show, and people were sort of coming by my office unbidden and sort of just lurking in the doorway, opining about various artists that should have been on the list that weren't, and then I saw Joni for a little while last night, and she was all bubbling over with bands that I should have put on the list, so today we will do a follow-up. Uh, we will top five artists to accompany prolonged teenage moping, part two. Would you like to hear right now um, two of the worst suggestions I've received all day for this list? Yeah. <laughs> They're from Sarah Wagner. They're both from Sarah Wagner, actually. <laughs> was Boys to Men on that list? Yes, it was. It no. was Boys to Men. I was kidding. How did you know? Because she had she talked about how she was obsessed with Boys to Men. Let's see if we can find her and right she now. brought down a Boys to Men CD that one day. She remember? came by my office today. Hello. Uh, Hello. Hello, Dave Zinn. How are you? Why are you answering the phone in a woman's voice? Would you like to buy some advertising? This is the advertising <laughs> buying line. That's the right answer, actually. Uh, is Sarah Wagner here, please? Here you go. Thank you. Oh, no, she's talking us. I see how it is. She totally is. She knows. She knows the jig is up. Is the other one, like, Jodeci? <laughs> no, Silk. Do um, <laughs> you have any troops? Hi, you Sarah Wagner with KUFO, KBMX, and KTMD. I'm away from my desk right now, but we'll return doesn't your call. Doesn't sound like her at all. I can. She sounds like an older woman. She really she does. does. She sounds like mid 40s Sounds very responsible. Sounds very old. Not at all like very her. Old. Well, except for the old part. Yeah, sounds course. exactly she like her. Just getting. <laughs> she looks like a little wrinkly prune. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> <love> Sarah Wagner. <laughs> I love today already. I was just calling up to. Uh, I guess boys to men, Sarah Wagner, by the way. All right. Thank you. Anywho. So she, okay, what's the other one? Is so it a she girl? Ca she came by the office today, and, and she had something else to talk to me about, and, and, and I just threw it out to her. I said, hey, top five artists to accompany teenage moping. And she said, without, like, without missing a beach, boys to men. 
And I said, no, really. And I thought she was kind of, like, goofing on me. And I said, no, 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 really. And she goes, no, 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 boys to men. It's like, I moped to boys to men all the time as a teenager. And I said, well, that's not really... I think that might be an isolated case. I think maybe if you're sort of lovelorn, but I think we're talking about sort of just the nihilistic, uh, you know, just embittered, angry at the entire world, misanthropic teenage moping. And and then you know what her second one was? When When I laid it out that way, I said, you know, this isn't like... This isn't like where you have a crush or you're feeling puppy love or you're sort of, you know, it's unrequited love. I said, this is, you know, this is sort of when you're sitting there and you feel like nobody understands you and you're walking alone and there's you and there's everybody else and you're in your own isolated pain cave of teenage angst. She looks at me and she goes, Eric Clapton. <laughs> so... There you Boy. go. And I told her she was no longer allowed to contribute to top five list. The end. Oh, she tried. Uh-huh. She tried, and that was an epic fail. So, uh, anyway, later on we'll be doing the second part of that. We'll be doing the uh, top five uh, songs for prolong- or artists for prolonged teenage moping uh, part two. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. A man with low self-esteem commits suicide by jumping out the window of a Greyhound bus traveling down I-84. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. There was. I just. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, Greyhound bus was at the very bottom of the list of things I would expect I got to jump out You're going to Eastern Oregon on a Greyhound bus. <laughs> for whatever reason. So that, even if you hadn't jumped out the bus, just that activity itself was a sort of like slow, prolonged suicide. Mm-hmm. They uh, support of another Oregon superdelegate gives Obama a 5-2 lead over Hillary. A Chinese man dazzles the people of his village by squirting milk out of his eyes. <laughs> Scott McClellan becomes a snitch and is accused of sounding like a left-wing blogger by Karl Rove. Blogger. A kindergartner dis- disliked by his classmates is voted to be removed from his class, much to his mother's outrage. We'll hear from those cosmopolitan New York City gals who went to see Sex in the City at the premiere last night. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. You know what's the worst thing about Sex in the City? Uh, really? Fan- fans of Sex in the City. Yeah. The douchebaggy girls that were in there, like with their sparkly top. Oh, God. The girls that were there. Wait, can I, well, can I, now, we do this sometimes where you try to guess uh, how somebody is attired. Can I guess? At the Sex Why don't I give you a guess of, as to one of the girls who was... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say who they're associated with, but somebody at some point was talking up front before the movie. Like there were people. Is it somebody from a radio station? I can't. You just mouth something to me. It's somebody, it's somebody in the media. It looked like you just said Kajagugu. Yeah, it's somebody in the media. So somebody. She was the exact representation of every single now, woman I won't, in that audience. I w- Is this somebody uh, that we have a relationship with this person? I don't know. Or are we just colleagues in the sense that we both broadcast over the air? I don't. I just don't feel comfortable with. That. Okay, but you. Do, so you don't want to say who it is. No. Is it somebody I know? No. No, but somebody that that might be known to other people. But. I guess what I'm saying is, if you said the name, would I nail dump? <laughs> no, I have. I don't even know, realize I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Anyway, there were just a bunch of terrible girls there, all shrieky, all wearing like these horrible silk shirts and like their heels. Was there this? At any point, was there a woman uh, wearing a really, really one of those tight shirts, and then it had this, the, the rhinestone letters that said like BB or baby or whatever that is? Oh, they were all. They were yeah. all there, and they all had like a highlighted hair, and they were shrieky. And it makes me feel stupid for liking, you know, that silly little show so much. It yeah. makes it makes me feel like I'm dumb for it. Well, no, they, that happens a lot. Of, I think if, if you, depending on the type of music you listen to, like you go to a show and you're there to see some band or whatever, and then you look around at the other people who are there to see the band, and you just go, "These people are all morons." Totally. These are my Jesus, ears. God Almighty. Everyone here is retarded. Wait a minute. I'm here. Am I retarded? 
Maybe I'm so retarded that I don't know I'm retarded. Am I like that Flowers for Algernon guy who's dumb enough he doesn't know that he's dumb? Okay. Maybe I'll just have a beer. And then you're just sitting there and you're wondering whether or not you should renounce your fandom of the thing mm-hmm. because because you're wondering if it paints you with some sort of that lunatic. That was just that Steve Kasten mom just wrote me a message. She's like, I'm, honestly, I'm really surprised that you... Like, it's like he was disappointed. He's like, I'm really surprised that you like that show. <laughs> I expected Take better care. from you, Sarah <laughs> Dillon. This is our last communication. Goodbye forever. <laughs> All right. But you... But you hey, did you hear that? The hum is the back. The hum is back. Yay. I kind of hear it. Hey, the hum just reappeared. Hey, can you back. drop the mono bed for a second? I hear That's it That's the now. loudest it's ever been. I hear it. Listen to that. The hum is back with reinforcements. The hum is back. And Sarah... <laughs> I hear it. The hum Yay. Is... AM970. You'll love our new hum. All right, so Matt gave me another option when... Um... It's gone. That's turning down Tim's computer. No, 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 but um, I'm switching pots, so oh, we're going to okay. do it at a... So it's um, not Tim's computer as such, it's that channel? It is the channel. It's, it's right. remote, too. So we're going to go out of remote, too. Excellent. All right, fantastic. It's 503-733-2970. Anyway, uh... Do you want my one line? Do you want... Should I say whether or not it was good? Well, are, have you talked to Scott and Aaron about it? Or do they, I won't say anything about the movie. Do they want to leverage all of everybody's curiosity about it into their podcast well, yeah, we're, numbers? We're recording. We're doing an in-depth right. thing this afternoon. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you put it? For what it is, I would give it like, uh, honestly, it's... If you're a Sex in the City fan. Everything I ever wanted. So you'd say like an I'd eight? Say, I'd, say, I'd say even a nine. A nine? Like for a Sex in the City fan, it's a nine. I cannot wait to see it again. Are you going to stand in line like, yes. a, like a nitwit yes, and see it I again? Will. Good yeah, for you. I totally am going to stand Excellent. in line. Because I got, I, you know, I got the fancy press passes yesterday and got to be whisked right in while everybody else had to stand outside. I am going to go back and stand in line. Good for you, Sarah Dillon. It... With it the rest was, of the peasantry. It was <laughs> the it rabble. Was, that's all. We're gonna. Aaron and Scott and I are gonna be talking about it at great length today. But it. Uh, yeah. I am. No, I'm legitimately glad that you liked it because it's all I kidding. I was freaked out. I thought that it was just gonna be. Oh, well, welcome to welcome, welcome to welcome to every geek's world for the last ever since Phantom Menace came out. Standing on maybe this one won't suck. Maybe he won't kick me in the balls again. And then they always do. Well, because there's so. been so much distance since when the show ended. I'm for some reason in my mind, I rewrote the show in my head, and I'm just like, it can't be. You know, as funny, and then as soon as like the biting wit and like the like the hilarity ensued on the show, I'm like, holy god, this is right. why I like this. This yeah. is this is incredible. Well, I'm glad that it came together for you at least, because I can't remember the last time any uh, any like the nerd brigade all stood in line and weren't massively disappointed by something. <laughs> well, it, it definitely wasn't perfect, but it was. Very, very. Cool. I remember all of us standing there at you know midnight or whatever the hell it was to see that Superman Returns thing when that came out, and just you know and you you kind of work and you, and you, like there's the part of your like your reptile brain won't accept the fact that it's just a movie. I mean you keep and your intellect keeps trying to impose itself. No, 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 it's just a movie. It's just two hours of film and entertainment. Don't find some other way to make your life worthwhile. Quit pinning all of your hopes on fictitious aliens. You know, and then we're sitting there watching Superman Returns, and it comes up with the font and the music and the da 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 da, da you know, and we're just we're like, all right, and then and then the movie unfolds, and it's just like a big slow rolling pile of crap, and, and as soon as Perry White says truth, justice, all that stuff, and you just look down at the floor and shake your head sadly and want to go home and die. So there were right. like I w- there were a couple moments that specifically like, I have a ton of notes, but most of them, it's like no no no. This is genius. No, no, no. I just kept writing genius over and over again because I was just that, like, I think I went in with such low expectations. That's the key, Sarah. That's the thing we've mm-hmm. all learned over the last to expect almost nothing. 
All right. Uh, well, we'll get these phone calls here in a second. By the way, for those who express interest in such things, uh, I have a new pen today. I'm riding with the precise V5RT from Pilot. Uh, Laura and I went pen shopping last night because that's how small and uninteresting my life is. Really? I made a note to myself about something. Here's a question. So we went to, I forget the name of the office. It was one of the office Max Depot outlet places, you know, one of the big behemoth office stores. But we're walking around in the pen aisle, and then there's that whole glassing case of cross pens that at some point they decided you're supposed to give to people for graduation. You know, well, when you, you're going off to college, son, more than anything else, you'll need a pen. And then you hand somebody like the cross pen that costs $75. Does anybody enjoy writing with a cross pen? Those cross pens are the most uncomfortable writing instruments ever. Oh, the big ever. shiny ones? The, 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 the hard little metal mm. cross pens. And at some point... A switch was flipped in, the, in the, the, the cultural consciousness, and that became the gift that you're supposed to give people when they graduate. No, I don't even know where my cross pen went. I think my grandmother, my, some, my, one of my aunts gave me a cross pen when I graduated because it's just what you're supposed to do. Don't know where it is. I know it costs like $45 or whatever for a pen. She gave it to me. I had it for like a day, put it in a drawer somewhere, never found it again. It's a completely unuseful writing implement. Mm -hmm. This pen I'm holding in my hand, which cost me like a dollar seventy-five, writes better than any cross pen I've ever used in my life. All right, let's uh, do some of these higher on the Rick Emerson radio program as we begin Wednesday's show. Hello, how are you? Hey guys, how can uh, I help you? Checking. Did Sarah get her copy of Mills? I did. Thank you so much. I'm going to go home and watch it today. Oh, you dropped off a copy of Al, uh, Alec Baldwin's yes. Malice. Thank you, Dominic. All right. I, I, but I just stuck it with the newspaper. I wasn't sure where to put it. You guys don't have a mail slot or anything. Uh, well, no, but we have a whole front office. Oh, did you come by before the office was open? Oh, no, I was, I was early in the morning, like 6 a.m. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we have a mail slot. I think you just have to, like, leave things in a bag on the front, on the doorknob. Well, that's the thing. I didn't want to freak anybody out. <laughs> here's, a big, here's a big package of unknown problems. No, thank you so much. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you All again. Right. Thank you, sir. Cool. All right. All right. By the way, since I have started watching Family Guy, I filter, at least for now, everything through that prism. So as soon as I hear Alec Baldwin talking, I just picture that scene where he's on the couch suckling all the lesser Baldwin brothers. Get some more, Stephen. You're the weakest. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How did you live without that? I don't know. I'm really glad that I started watching it. Again, it's not like I regret waiting this long, because with DVD, there's really, I mean, you either watch it, well, thanks. You either watch it now or you don't. It doesn't really matter. You can catch up. But I am glad that I've begun watching Family Guy. Mm. Uh, tonight, I start season three. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. I know why uh, people give cross pens for college. Yes. Yes, it's the uh, easy, instant uh, pocket pipe. Now, are you saying that's why people want to receive cross pens? I don't think that was the idea my grandmother had when she gave it to me. No, but it's the only use you can really use them for, because you're absolutely right. They're useless for writing. I mean, I just don't understand. I, I can understand giving somebody a really a really good writing implement if it's like an heirloom or if it's a thing that's been done. Now, little man, I give the pen to you, a thing that you know, from generations past. But, I mean, speaking at least for myself, and I looked last night when I was at the office supply store, and they had the whole bank of cross pens there. And I'm really, I'm a man who's really into pens. I like a good writing instrument. In fact, I found the best, worst blog the other day. It's a blog where a woman does nothing but review different brands of ballpoint pen. And she talks about, and like in exhaustive detail, about like the grip of the pen, the flow of the ink, the aesthetic design of the pen, how sleek it is. I mean, it's an entire blog about pens. So no, I mean, five pen comes with its own cleaner. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I'm not saying. I mean, it's just I. It's just something that doesn't make any sense about it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 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 Hey, I got a, an artist to add to your list. Yes. Okay. Well, you'll have to wait and see how the list shakes out. We're going to be doing that later on today. We'll have the uh, second attempt at teenage moping artists. 
Oh, it's the best. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Okay, thanks so much. Good to see you, too. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll do one more here, and then we'll take a break here in a second. We'll come back. We've got him at 30. Lisa Desjardins, uh, Steve Tastamon. By the way, speaking of artists and bands and shows and gigs, two things. A, uh, we want to thank the uh, fine folks at Taboo who dropped off your missing basket of porn, Sarah. Is that what that is? That's what that do is. Do I get to open it? Doesn't matter to me. It's not my porn. It's yours. And now, little man, I give the porn to you. Because you heavy. Because your basket of porn... Uh, sort of vanished at the party, and so they brought by a whole tub of pornography for you. Can I tell you this? You have no. It's I, we like always. Christmas. We always. It's like Christmas with dildos. Porn. We always. Uh, Holy God. We always joke about how many adult supplies and products and toys and novelties are given to us by various sponsors or whatever, but you don't really realize it until somebody comes by your office who doesn't typically spend much time there. And so somebody came by my office. This is what precipitated me cleaning the office over the weekend. Somebody came by, a female coworker, and was like sitting, came into my office to ask me something. And there was just a huge rubber fist sitting on the chair next to my desk. And as the person was talking to me, her eyes kept sort of flicking over and looking at the rubber fist. And I finally noticed that she was looking at it. And I said, "Oh, don't worry about that. There's a perfectly logical explanation for that." And then, and then I followed it up. I followed up her, because I, I, she would look at me, and then she would look at the rubber fist, and then she would look at me, and she would look at the rubber fist. And the rubber fist was, of course, given to me by Carl Click as sort of a prop at the roast. But I had I had the worst ever line that kind of came out of my head, and I didn't really think about it. So the woman is looking at me, looking at the fist, looking at me, and then looking at the fist. And I said, oh, yeah, don't worry about the rubber fist. There's a logical explanation for that. And then I paused, and I said, i got to find somewhere to put that. <laughs> Which I realize is now not the way I should have handled it. Um, I'm, like, scared of this. Is that a giant glass uh, marinolade? It's glass. All right, have fun with that. Um, anyway, they also dropped off a stabby. copy of the Jimi Hendrix uh, sex tape. So, um, well, now I don't have time to talk about my other thing. We'll take a break. We'll come back. It's 503-733-2970. Around the corner, Lisa Desjardins will weigh in about Hillary Clinton's claim that she is, quote, leading in every single poll ever devised by man. Uh, what else? Steve Casterman coming up later on. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Top five moping songs for teenagers and Mr. Skin. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Wait, I'm doing the line wrong. I'm, I'm merging two things together. What does Giovanna Ribisi say in that horrible movie? I remember when she's like, Daniel and I are in love. So Juliette Lewis is the mentally disabled sister, and Giovanna Ribisi is her... Mentally retarded boyfriend. I wasn't going to put it that way. Sorry, disabled. Her, <laughs> her disabled life partner. But there's that line where he's, you smell like cookie dough or something. It's you know it's supposed to be charming because it's because he's trying to be romantic. But I think I'm. He's a regular man. Play, I don't know. I think in my in my head I am merging that with a line from the um, from the uh, the television program Duckman, in which the character of Ajax says. Everybody likes the smell of maple syrup, but nobody wears it as cologne. All right. We're going to move forward now. It's 503-733-2970. Time for wallowing in the past is done. Done, I say. Done. Uh, by the way, one random caller today will win the Puppet Master movie collection on DVD. Oh, come on. That's awesome. I didn't say one random producer, Sarah. I said one random oh. caller. One random on-air caller today will win the Puppet Master Collection on DVD, uh, Full uh, Moon Entertainment. And, of course, Charles Band's Full Moon Horror Roadshow coming to Portland Friday, May 30th at the Aladdin Theater. Cold horror film director Charles Band 
uh, packs the show to the brim with puppets, creatures, and rare film clips. Horror movie fans and fans of the Puppet Master film series, this event will feature upcoming new release film trailers, surprise guest appearances, question and answer sessions with the director and his cast, original puppet and doll auctions, hot chicks, unique merchandise, novelty items, audience participation and interaction, and live decapitations. I say reading directly from the copy points. Uh, but we're actually we're going to have him in the studio uh, on Friday uh, as well. So Charles Band from Full uh, from Full Moon Horror uh, Entertainment is going to be in the uh, studio on Friday. And then uh, we have uh, tickets to the event as well and uh, copies of the Puppet Master series on DVD. It's all very exciting. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi, guys. How are you today? I am great. You know, I watched Recount last night, the HBO movie. Here's the thing. My wife and I uh, kept our, uh, our broadband Internet access through Comcast, with which we are uh, very happy. But we did decide to take a little bit of a break from, from cable mm -hmm. television uh, just because we've, we're never home enough to sort of watch stuff and to justify it. Um, I can understand. And so, and, you know, right now there's sort of, there's not, there's not a lot of, you know, prime series on HBO. Some of the, but one of the damnable miseries now is I'm missing the made for HBO films. And it, the, the movies that are made for HBO are really almost without exception. Fantastic. It, it was, it was incredible. I, I was just sitting there in delight. You know, Jason was doing homework, so he kept coming in and out of the room, and I just kept saying to him, "This is the best thing ever." And it's um, and starring as um, so it's Kevin Spacey and the woman whose name is escaping me, yeah, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yes. The role of a lifetime. Harris. Yeah. Yeah, in, in, a, in, a, in a role that almost looks like clearly she's lampooning the woman, but then afterward, during the credits, they actually show actual footage of Katherine Harris, and you're like, wow, that that it, she was very close to exactly what Katherine Harris really Here's was like when she was on camera anyway. Here's one of the things that HBO does uh, all, better than almost anybody else in terms of making films. HBO has this knack for taking real-life events and making them into films that walk just up to the line mm -hmm. of sort of farce and parody. Yes. You know, so they have a sort of sense of whimsy and fun, yet at the same time they tend to be historically accurate. The, probably the definitive example of that is their adaptation of Bill Carter's book, The Late Show, which is about the struggle between Leno and Letterman yes. for the, uh, the throne of Johnny Carson. Great one, They yes. also did it uh, with James Garner in Barbarian to the Gate, which is the story of the thwarted stock takeover, uh, takeover of R.G.R. Nabisco. Yes. Um, and live from Baghdad, uh, which you are undoubtedly right. familiar with. I about that, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which uh, Helena Bonham Carter and Michael Keaton, which is about uh, Matthew Weiner, uh, who broadcast live from you know Kuwait during Gulf War right. One. So recount, but you say it's good. You say it's a thumbs up. Oh, you know, I could see someone not liking it because it, if if there's anyone who's still angry, and I know that there are about the 2000 election. I think this is a movie that will make you furious yet again. So I could see it, it's one of those things that would uh, make people, I think, either love or hate politics, or as I do, I kind of love hating politics. And it, it's it's just been fantastically done. Now, uh, there are some issues with the different players in it. For example, James Baker is sort of made out to be just this brilliant strategist behind the scenes, kind of, you know, you can't tell quite if he's a good guy or a bad guy, but he's clearly brilliant versus Warren Christopher for the Gore campaign is made out to look completely naive, even doddering. And, and, and you know, Warren Christopher says that, the, and in fact, Ron Klain, who's the hero, the Kevin Spacey of this movie, uh, all the real-life Ron Klain says that, that it just was not fair to Warren Christopher. Well, let's also be honest. Warren Christopher looks like Nosferatu. 
<laughs> I mean, come on. Warren Christopher, I'm sure that he's a smart man and all. Warren Christopher looks like he ought to be hanging upside down in a cavern uh, somewhere, preparing to suck the blood out of a nearby herd of oxen. And you know it's true. I know that you can't agree with me on the record, but we all know that he looks like a vampire. There's, there's something not human <laughs> about Warren Christopher. Going for contrast, because they portray him as this sort of overly idealistic, you know, but it's democracy that's so important kind he, of character. He, he looks like Bella Lugosi as portrayed by Martin Landau in the movie Ed Wood. He really just, you know... I was waiting for you to bring that up. Small, yeah. evil eyes, and you just, you know, sort of looking at him, you keep expecting a pair of wings to sprout from behind him. That's just my take. Um, so I, There's so much to talk about today. I, I don't even know where, where to begin. Um, well, we'll just take these in no particular order. So... Great. Let's talk about everybody's new best friend, Scott McClellan. How about it, Scotty? Jesus, so he was the White House press secretary. Is he trying to be the new Stephanopoulos with his book, where he's uh, hoping to come out and spill the dirt and get himself some Sunday morning gig somewhere? I suppose so, but I think this is, this is a study in contrast of how the Democratic Party reacts to some kind of tell-all book versus how the Republican Party reacts to the same kind of tell-all book. Now, no one breaking ranks in politics is never smiled upon, but... Clearly, there's prob there's a little bit more room in the Democratic Party for this kind of tell-all, especially this, this, is, this really is a true 180 for Scott McClellan because he vigorously defended the president on all counts. He wasn't always press secretary, but when he was and when he wasn't press secretary, when he was in the White House, you know, he came across, and you've got to when you work in the communications department as someone who drinks the Kool-Aid. Now he is... You know, it's beyond, uh, you know, giving up the water cooler there. He's kind of vomiting the Kool-Aid at this point. Bad, bad analogy. But but the point is that it, it really is an extreme about face. And, of course, Democrats love it because they're saying this proves what we thought all along, that the Bush White House was manipulating facts and trying to change reality constantly because of politics. That's essentially what McClellan is saying here about Katrina, about Iraq, uh, on a number of about the Scooter Libby, Valerie Plame situation, he's saying that they manipulated the facts and were deceptive for political purposes so, as a routine. So Tim and I were talking about this in the kitchen this morning. We were, we were discussing hmm. whether or not, like, that he must have somehow been really, really screwed by the White House, or at least perceived that he was, for him to have taken such a huge about face, right? I mean, this, th th there must be some sort of score that's being settled. They must have crossed some line with him at some point. We know clearly, and we and it was it was uh, it was well known among some circles at the time that Scott McClellan was particularly incensed, and it was really the only uh, instance where we knew that he had a problem with his bosses was during the Scooter Libby situation because Scott McClellan was press secretary. He went before the press corps. He said uh, Scooter Libby and Karl Rove were not involved. That was his quote. They were not involved. I'm telling you, they're not involved. When, in fact, it became very clear, and Karl Rove himself later admitted uh, that, that in fact, he was he did speak to reporters about Valerie Plame's identity. Uh, you know, he wasn't the original leaker, but he was uh, he did have phone conversations about it, and he had portrayed apparently to Scott McClellan that that wasn't the case. Scott McClellan passed that on, and it, it was well known that Scott McClellan was furious because. He had passed on, I guess you say, misinformation, yeah. a piece of truthiness, as Stephen Colbert might say. Um, but but that is something that clearly uh, got under his skin. Now, is, is that enough to, you know, spark such a book like this that, that especially within Republican ranks, that that really is um, goes against, you know, Reagan's Eleventh Commandment? 
I don't know. It, you know, you can also point to, you know, clearly how much is money a motivator? I don't know. You do make money for these books, and you don't make any money generally uh, when you're the press secretary at the White House. So you do better than the average Joe, but you're still not making a lot. Of and you got to figure that being press secretary at the White House, especially uh, this administration, which has be, been beset by challenges, let's say, you got to figure if you can go out and spin that every day, you you could pretty much have a job at the company of your choice, I would imagine, right? Yes, that's what you would think exactly. And if you want to stay in politics, you're set for the rest of your life, particularly. Yeah. Of course, this is the Bush White House. Not everyone loves the Bush White House, so being the Bush press secretary, especially when you're Scott McClellan, who is sort of the least recognized, probably, of the Bush secretaries, as opposed to Tony Snow and Ari Fleischer. And, you know, he, he may not have the golden road as the rest of them, but but he still would be able to do just fine. I would I would think he has the job, but he's like the, he's like whoever it was that replaced Keith Moon in the Who. He's you know <laughs> he's that guy. Yeah, there's Roger Daltrey and John Entwistle and uh, Pete Townsend and uh, what's a <laughs> Shempo, Zeppi. Shecky. Right. All right. No, but, you know, it, we'll see what, what happens when the book actually comes out next week. But apparently tomorrow is when McClellan, I think, starts doing interviews. And, of course, the Bush administration folks have been all, past and present, have been all over the television. About oh, they must have. I mean, they must have immediately just put a sword in Dana Perino's uh, hand and just had, had sent her out to the podium to just uh, sort of figuratively dispatch him. Right. And they brought back their big guns of the past. Dan Bartlett uh, just did an interview with uh, with Wolf Blitzer from Texas. You know, he's retired now. He's out of this whole game, supposedly. And they brought him back to do some of this. So they're responding, uh, you know, with their own sort of cluster bombs of press relations. It's interesting to note that when Stephanopoulos put his book out, the only person who was really even visibly agitated about it was James Carville. <laughs> so that was it, James Carville, who, you know, was sort of appeared looking, you know, serpent-like, uh, you know, on every network sort of screaming about loyalty, but nobody else even really bat batted an eye. Um, all right, real, real quickly, I know we've got to run here, but uh, how did, the, how did the, the, the fundraiser go with McCain and Bush? Because I know that there was some... There was last night, wasn't it? And there was some. They were they were having to scale down the location because they were afraid that like it'd be a big empty room or something. Yeah, you know, those other reports said they deny that, but it's there's we're not sure why they scaled down the location. It seems possible that was a factor. Three million dollars they brought in, so a pretty good take for McCain. Um, and in other news, uh, Hillary Clinton lost a, a battle this morning in Florida, where a Florida judge threw out a lawsuit that would have forced the party to count those, that Florida primary that she won. So right. the courts are not on her side, but now it's coming down to what could be a very recount-like uh, situation on Saturday when the Democratic National Committee Rules Committee meets here in Washington. And the Clinton campaign has said they're bringing out the protesters uh, 30 people on that committee. They're going to decide how to divvy up Florida and Michigan on Saturday. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. Um, and Final a final question. On a scale of 1 to 10, watching that recount movie on HBO, how bad were the flashbacks? Oh, my God. I mean, I would say how good. I mean, it was it was an 11 on the flashbacks. <laughs> Excellent. On the delightful flashbacks. I mean, it was really – it was – it was uh, – it hit it hit many uh, many different sensory buttons. Fantastic. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. All right. Uh, if you are on the clock tomorrow, we will speak with you then. Okay, great. All right. Thank you, Lisa. There you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. In just a few moments, uh, we will talk to senior radio correspondent uh, Steve Kastenbaum. Don't forget, uh, one random caller today will win a copy of the Puppet Master series on DVD, courtesy of Full Moon Entertainment and Charles Band's Full Moon Horror Roadshow, which is going to be uh, this Friday, May 30th, at the Aladdin Theater. Callers today also win a pair of passes uh, to the Horror Roadshow featuring hot chicks, unique merchandise, and I swear to God it says live decapitations. So there you go.
503-733-2970. Uh, before we talk to Steve Ketchum now, I have some notes. Um, first of all, I don't know which one of these to go with. Well, I'll just ask this. Did anybody else, and I know at least one other person who did, did anybody else see that sign at the Hawthorne Theater that said Elliot Smith? No. <laughs> Hawthorne Theater? It was, you know, there's the thing that says, like, the, the Friday, the Flesh Eaters. Yeah. Saturday, Derailers. Sunday, whoever. Uh, it, there was a thing. Like Elliot Smith tribute or not, something? Well, I don't know. I mean, but is there an Elliot Smith tribute? It just I... said Elliot Smith. I think it was it was on Saturday. It was either Friday or Saturday. And there was like no other, there was no other notation on the marquee or the reader when I was driving along. It was a weird, it was like I kind of fell into a wormhole for just a second. So I was driving down the street and I just always, usually nobody there that I'm really familiar with, but I always just sort of out of habit, I check the marquee as I drive by the Hawthorne Theater. And so going up past that uh, Pepino's place, and by by Fred Meyer, and I go to turn, and I look up at the reader board, and it says, Friday, Elliot Smith. And it was like, I nearly plowed into somebody, because as I'm turning the corner, I'm like, kind of, my neck is craning, I'm kind of going, what the, you know? And it yeah. Was, like, and there was no further explanation for it, so. That's a little strange. I asked somebody else about it, I'm like, did you see that? And I haven't even finished the sentence. I said, at the Hawthorne Theater, did you, did you see that? And he's like, Elliot Smith, I know, I don't know what it's about. So the only theory we could come up with was that they were filming, was like a movie was being shot, maybe. And that they had put up like a sort of vintage marquee, you know, like some sort of like a marquee to, to, to depict, you know, some time in the past or whatever. That's the only thing we could come up with. It was the weirdest thing, though. It was, I think, the same night that there was all that lightning. So it would have been Saturday, I think. Okay. It was just all of this. Uh, it was all of this lightning, which made it even weirder because it's raining and it's lightning and it's thunder and driving to the theater and there's a big thing saying tonight, Elliot Smith. All right, let's welcome Greg Emerson's show from New York City. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Steve Kassenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how you guys doing? How's life, brother? How are things? Are you recovered from your long night of something and things and cosmos? Short turnaround for me. I guess this segment is for me and Sarah, and you can you can sort of be the audience. Excellent. I'll be getting a cup of coffee. I can't talk about the movie yet, but except to say that I really liked it, but can't talk about it till Friday. I believe her review is embargoed, as they say. Yeah, you know, people weren't supposed to talk about it when they came out of the... Uh, out of the screening. In fact, uh, the the promoters actually overbooked this screening here by about two thousand tickets. Oh, <laughs> two thousand angry, embittered, estrogen-filled women who were storming out into the streets, already half-loaded on apple martinis. Exactly, yeah. some well-dressed women who who you know who were on all these different Sex in the City tours during the day, or, or part of clubs, or or did package deals, and the promoters never know. How many people are going to show up at these screenings? But two thousand tickets—that sounds a little irresponsible, doesn't it? It really does. Oh, that I mean, sounds like a lot of pissed-off people. And they do that here, you know, for stuff, you know, where they'll overbook. But I mean, but it, but they always are very, very careful to say in big letters like this ticket won't necessarily get you in. You got to come stand in line. Was this, was this like a typical sort of like a nerd movie premiere where there be where there was a line down the block and around the building? Well, I don't know, because they let all the common folk in on the side street. You know, the front entrance was taken up by the pink carpet. Yes, it was pink. And uh, all the stars coming in for that, uh, the, you know, the real folk, they, they went in the side entrance. They weren't good enough to come in the front entrance. Excellent. Did you stay and watch the movie? No, 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 no. I was, uh, I was out of there because, uh, you know, by the time they let out, it was going to be late. And I, I was working until 11 o'clock, you know, putting these things together for the affiliates, you know, as it is. So, sure. Yeah, I had to get out. But I, but I lined up a bunch of sound bites because I know Sarah is just dying to hear them. Today. Oh, sure. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. So so I get the sense that uh, Cynthia Nixon is the one woman out of the four 
that is already looking to the future and feeling like she's typecast and, and won't be able to do other things because, you know, she'll always be Miranda Hobbs. Because I, I listen to uh, her voice, you know, the tone of her voice when she's answering questions. And I don't know, I just get that sense. Maybe I'm wrong, but, but listen to her. It's very exciting. We've been waiting so long for this evening to finally get here. And, you know, we're a little hot, a little humid out here. We're dodging the raindrops, but mostly we're just excited. I'm here, willing to be gawked at by middle-aged, wrinkly women because they're mm. paying me a huge amount of cash, but I look forward to the day when I can walk down the street and people don't call me Miranda. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you know she's looking towards her future acting career and, and, and is probably a real serious person when it comes to her craft, and she's stuck in this role for the time being, you know. But Sarah Jessica Parker, she was extremely gracious, and, and you know, she can do whatever she wants down, down the road. I'm very excited. I'm really excited. Um, but, you know, tonight's the first time my family's seen it. All my close friends are here. I have 26 family members here tonight, none of whom have seen the movie, um, and I've never seen it with them. She was talking about being indebted to New York City and the fans and being all thankful. Uh, Kim Cattrall, we all love her. She uh, she plays Samantha Jones, the, the wildest one in the boudoir. Was she just a totally stunning in person? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, she looked like she would yeah. be. Yeah, she, she, she was cool on, on the pink carpet. I think that it speaks about being a woman in today's world, and I think the four characters individually together make up a complete woman. So you can really relate to all of these characters in all the given circumstances. She was uh, you know, answering the question, why is this such a phenomenon? Well, what's, what's the deal here worldwide? Now, is there, is there a fourth one? I can only think of the Charlotte. three. And yeah, that's I don't, who? I don't want to leave Charlotte out of the mix, so I got a sound bite of her ready to go. It's uh, Kristen Davis. I feel good. I'm happy it's finally here. You know, the New York premiere was our last. There was a lot of anticipation for it. And then we were worried about the weather. So it's really adorable to see everyone out there in the rain. They're so sweet. You know, I hear her talk like that. They're so sweet. And I feel like she's the one actress out of the four that is the most actually like her character. I was reading about her, and I guess... She's actually not at all. I mean, she's um, she's single. Like, she doesn't have any kids. She the one that sex tape came out of her? Yes. And yeah. she also um, is an alcoholic, and she hasn't drank in, like, ten years. So I was reading this article about her saying how people will send her Cosmos, and she always has to send them back because she just doesn't drink. Now, would you say that she is the the least known of the, of the bunch? Because I couldn't, because just from my outside perspective, I could think of the other three, but not of her. I had no idea who she was. The other three I could come up with. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I would think maybe Miranda. I was thinking there. she might be like Ernie Hudson, the black Ghostbuster. You know, just like everybody else is above the marquee, and it's like also Ernie Hudson. So, <laughs> All right, so how many people were there last night to get in, and how many got in? Thousands. I, I lost track. I mean, Jesus. it was really huge. It was right. a big event, and, uh, you know, Radio City Music Hall is a grand place. That place is so fantastic. I have to say, I've only been there once. Uh, I went there, of all things, to see a Rockettes Christmas show. Um, and it, which was, you know, great and retro and cool and whatever. But that I don't know what, what Radio City Music Hall looked like sort of 40 years ago, but I get the feeling it's pretty much what it looks like now. You know, my mom told me they used to actually do regular movie showings there. Yeah. In addition to doing all yeah. the shows, they actually showed movies. Yeah, in fact, if you watch the Woody Allen film Radio Days, uh, which is where I first saw Radio City Music Hall, there is a great moment where uh, Seth Green, as Woody Allen's sort of child doppelganger, there's a great scene where his mom, played by Diane, or his aunt, rather, played by Diane Wiest, and her boyfriend, all the, the boyfriend takes takes uh, the aunt and Seth Green to go see a movie at Radio City Music Hall, and you can tell that Woody Allen spent a lot of time there as a kid, and he's still in love with it because he just does this just beautiful shot of 
you know, camera perspective of walking in the door and going up the stairs and everything is golden and lit and there's all that great recessed lighting and then walking into the theater and the lights come down and the movie starts. It really is a truly beautiful place. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It is, and, and if you're going to see a, mu- a music concert, it's one of the best places to see a performance. I, I saw a lot of shows there. I think I saw uh, Sting there, yeah. and, uh, and Joe Jackson performed there once when I was younger, and, I, a, and, and the shows are just great. It's a great venue. And so Sarah can't really talk a whole lot about it, but she did give it a strong thumbs up. She gave it a nine as a, for a Sex in the City fan. Well, well, the women screaming outside seem to like it. <laughs> That's what it sounded like for hours. You know what? i got to tell you, I'm in no position to, to poke fun or to do anything because I was part of a group of people in 1999 that screamed like lunatics just for the Lucasfilm logo coming on the screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I got, I'm in no position to ridicule anybody. I stood outside uh, with 5,000 people outside of Powell's Books here in Portland, Oregon, and watched a guy dressed as a wizard show up with a giant key holding the final Harry Potter book. <laughs> so, you know, we all have our moments. All right, my friend, are you on the clock tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow morning I'm going to head out to Belmont Racetrack to, to snoop around the stables and see what Big Brown is doing, if he's looking fit for the Triple Crown. Is this the, wait, this isn't the, the, the this isn't the horse that, no, because they had to put that one horse down, right? This is somebody else. This is another horse, but there was some, there was some speculation that he might not be able to run because he ha- supposedly had a cracked hoof, but then he was out on the track the other day. It's all this stuff that they do to, you know, really drum up excitement about this, and, and the trainers are always mysterious. But this year they're saying there really is a good chance of a triple, triple crown winner because this horse is that good and the other horses in the field are that bad. But, you know, I've seen three other potential triple crown winners in recent years not get it, not make it to the finish line first. So I don't know. I'm skeptical. Can I tell you that horse racing is one of those things about which I have zero knowledge? None, zero, not a bit. The, everything I know about, uh, about horse racing comes from Hunter Thompson. That's it. It's such a great day at, at, at the horse track when you go for one of these big events because, you know, if you're lucky enough to get by the stables, it's really amazing to see these beautiful animals. And then, and then the anticipation, the excitement, the tension in the air, it's really awesome. And it's so much better than going to a casino. I think people who like to gamble have become very lazy, and they don't want to sit there and have to figure out, you know, which horse runs better in these conditions with this jockey and they don't want to think about it. They just want to pull a lever on a machine these days. And it's a shame because it's a fun day when you're out at the track. Only in America would we complain about the fact that gamblers have, in fact, become too lazy. That really is a quintessentially American. When I think of the, the horse track, you know what I think of? I think of a guy who looks like Jack Warden in, like, a fishing hat and then, like, a bad sort of ill-fitting Hawaiian shirt standing up and saying, Come on! You, 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 know, bag, you bag of bones, run faster! And then it angrily throwing his ticket to the ground and stomping off with, like, a big plastic glass of weak-ass beer. That's all I picture. So. It's so much fun, though. I, I like that, because, like, a bum could be standing next to a millionaire, and for a couple of seconds there, you're on a level playing field. And Plus, the last time I went, uh, I was up a couple of hundred bucks at the end of the day. You, there are truly eight million stories in the naked city, my friend. Thanks. All right, have a great day, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. So long. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. I always kind of, betting on um, betting on the horse, betting on the ponies is a thing that I always kind of wanted to do just because it seems so cool. Because we have such like, because it does seem like a Mickey Spillane kind of a thing. And we, you know, like my wife uh, of all people knows a bunch of weird terms for, uh, like she knows what a quintella is or a quintella, quintella, quinetta. 
something. There's some sort of gambling term that relates to horse racing my wife casually used in conversation the other day. I had never explained it to me. So, all right, we should take a break here. We come back. Uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, uh, top five artists for teenage moping, part two. Mr. Skin, more of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Tonight, Elliot Smith. 503-733-2970. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, now I've heard everything. A man jumps to his death from a Greyhound bus on A84. This happened in the Dallas Sporting. The passenger jumped to his death from a Greyhound bus that was doing at least 65 miles an hour. Uh, the 40-year-old tried to jump out the window near the back of the bus about 3 o'clock in the morning, but another passenger pulled him back. So he ruined the ride for everyone else, too. When he tried it again seconds later, nobody no stopped one stopped him. him. <laughs> I mean, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. The boy who cried jump. I mean, how bad can it be to be riding a Greyhound bus and you're expecting to save somebody's life? I don't think so. <laughs> it's already it's already cramped, and there's always somebody eating like a loud bag of potato chips next to you as you're trying to sleep. Or opening up a can of beer and you get it right in the eye. That happened to me once. <laughs> really? Where were you and where was the other person? What was that? I was, he was sitting right next to me. I'm riding a bus to Boston. So this is like in sharing the seat with you. Yeah. Jesus. Opens the beer right in, right in your eye. That's fantastic. And the whole bus, the whole bus just smells of urine and human failure. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you're expected to save. There, you know, ten poor people piled into one seat, and they're, and all the children are crying at once, and the other three children are riding in a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to top it all off, you're expected to save some jackass's life as he decides to clamber out a window at three in the morning. Go right ahead. And yeah. he did. I wouldn't have even stopped him once. I mean, really, I figured more leg room for me. So this is a three-foot-by-four-foot window. It was open when the victim pulled on an emergency release lever that allowed the bottom of the window to swing open, providing space for him to jump and it worked. The bus driver was unaware of what was happening. Probably Probably wouldn't have stopped. Uh, The passengers were uh, yelling and got the bus driver's attention. Sam released his name, a pending notification of relatives, but police said he was not an Oregonian. How many relatives could you really have? I mean, come on. There's, when, you're riding a, when you're riding a Greyhound bus through the Dalles, you, mm-hmm. you burn many bridges, I would think, at that point. I mean, it only costs like $2 to ride between here and New York. <laughs> it is the cheapest mode of transportation, really, I think, out there. It really I is. I have inquired, but their prices never go up. When is the last time you had to ride a Greyhound bus? Mm, Greyhound bus in... Oh! I had... Uh, Broken my arm in an accident. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's just that Greyhound buses are always tied to misery. Yeah, it is. Always. And I was supposed to be in San Francisco, so uh-huh. that was my only means of transportation. So I rode the Greyhound bus between L.A. and San Francisco oh, with Jesus. a broken arm. Oh, man, what a what a port of souls that place must have been. Yeah. Just like Rich Bay. Like being... But it was cheap. It was only $15 oh, from L.A. <laughs> 
I mean, it's like one step. It's one step above being dragged behind a donkey or something. Yeah. I mean, it's like being ferried across the river Styx. Jesus, Sarah, have you ever ridden a Greyhound bus? No, the oh, I've ridden the Fung Wa, which is kind of gross. That's between um, Boston and New York. I mean, you know, they, they, look, if you're traveling on a budget, the Greyhound bus really is the way to go. Uh, I'm just saying all of my memories of a great... And I always... It, I just I remember riding on a Greyhound bus uh, when I was a little kid, actually, one time with my mom. We were going from Kennewick to Portland, and then from Portland back to Kennewick. And I do remember at one point waking up, and I think I was covered in ants. <laughs> I think I remember waking up at a Greyhound bus. I was about four, four or five years old, waking up, and my mom was brushing ants off of me because somehow while I slept, I'd been covered in insects. But I just remember that somebody up the up the door of the restroom, the biggest gag ever, just just came out of me. I didn't even have time to think about have it. You ever... <laughs> it was just like an insurrection. Have you ever been on a bus when the toilet broke? Oh, I don't a, think this one ever worked. Oh man, that's a special, that's a special brand of hell. I got something. Well, it's somebody's job to clean that hell. Hey, did you get that story about how the toilet broke on the space station? Oh, we're gonna get to that. We have sound. Fantastic. On All right. Anyway, so a guy it's jumped a out of the toilet. How would you? I mean, jumping out of a great Boston, he must have been struck by a car. Yeah. Or something, because it didn't seem like that fall. The fall. He landed on the highway shoulder and died instantly. Oh well, mission accomplished, I suppose. So, why even bother to get on the bus in the first place? I mean, unless you really just need something to jump from, which case there ought to be many, many stationary objects that have the added advantage of being free. But at least they have in the Dalles, where it usually isn't busy anyway. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, he's gone. He's he's gone. At least Farewell to ye, human cargo. All right. I mean, you put some thought into that, right. and you succeeded. Uh, authorities say intruders glued dozens of locks, threw 800 library books on the floor, and tied together the crash bars on several exit doors at West Lynn High School. Uh, they also wrote a Nazi swastika around the wall and placed the Book of Mormon on the desk of the school library. They circled its title and wrote, Mormons suck. <laughs> sort of all over the place with their vandalism. And, the, I mean, these are, uh, well, fairly uh, well-to-do children who would go to Lynn High School. Fresh scrubbed youngsters. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, apparently, uh, the vandals slipped into the school after staging a diversion to keep the security guard occupied. So, they met... The security guard must have been deaf. There are like, there, there's like 10 feet of books on the floor there. That's fantastic. I mean, he needs his hearing tested. How, how did somebody get away with doing that? I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. I mean, it looks like a Nazi book burning. I'm looking at the picture that accompanies this. This is from the Associated Press. Um, I think this picture we're looking at is from K2. Is it not? Yeah, K2. Yeah. You're right. I mean, there's like 5,000 books on the floor. I mean, that must have been quite a diversion. It's like a river of books coming down the fjord that is the hallway. And then, Scott, I didn't hear nothing. I was busy. You and know, then some... somebody writes an old Mormon suck. <laughs> some guy named Snuffy with a, you know, like a bunch of bristly whiskers mm -hmm. pushing a broom somewhere. Jesus, look at that. Look at all the books that those kids spread in the hallway. Oh, my God. How would you not hear that? I bet they use some type of diversion. Snuffy didn't hear nothing. Would you like tickets aboard Greyhounds? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick. Tony here. Hello, hi. Mm-hmm. I'm coming down. To shreds, you say? Tickets. What? 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 The cheapest way to travel. The train. Hmm. Are you just speaking in sentence fragments today as a sort of stylistic choice? This is not worth it. I can't I don't think I can really hear you. Nah, we don't we don't need <laughs> Okay. 
<laughs> you both just well, decided I mean, to like, watch how, your... long, how long can you milk him? We can't hear him. He can't hear Oh, him. I could have milked that for another five or ten minutes. I could have taken Wait, that for the rest of the hour. <laughs> the best part is you guys just cast it. Because we do have this... We do have this best of three rule in the show, and you guys both looked at each other and just sort of pilot like just washed your hands of it. Just sort of, no, 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 we're moving on. The uh, train to Seattle is fairly cheap, though. I plan on running it in uh, to a concert, and it's 50 bucks each way. Uh, I think Lara and I rode the Amtrak to Seattle uh, a couple years ago, and it was not bad. wasn't bad at all, actually. And I think we, I think we rode to Seattle. I don't, I don't think we, uh, we, we might have actually rented a car for a day or so when we got in Seattle. We had a bunch of errands to do, but we did the train was actually quite nice. You know what was great was the train from D.C. to New York and then New York back to D.C. That was actually a really, really sweet ride. I'm glad we did that because we had talked about flying or something, and it's just it a huge pain in the ass. So I'm glad we took the train. Trains really are. They are sort of underrated in, in this country of ours. I, I mean, the only bad part is they stop at a couple of goon towns on the way up and pick up <laughs> Ma and Pa Kettle, who really don't have tickets, but they're seriously thinking about purchasing them the first chance that they get. Now, they weren't planning on taking this trip to the last minute until Aunt Hattie fell ill. And it seemed to be... A mud expensive. We missed my pickup tickets at the next stop. Meanwhile, you're meanwhile you're in like you're in the next seat over, just turning your iPod louder and louder, just trying to block out their hick jabbering. (laughs) So we're fixing then to go into the store and buy ourselves some twigs, and and Tim's just turning up his George Michael records louder and louder and louder, trying to block out the swill coming from their mouths. That's it. They stop in the uh, Longview or one of those. And oh, all the people always get on. Oh, yeah, it costs money to ride this choo-choo. <laughs> well, no one told me. <laughs> Can I pay for this with cattle? Uh, all right. Excellent. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Now or ever. Well, this is a kind of unnerving. Uh, Portland police officers have asked for an apology after they said organizers of that big Barack Obama rally set up porta potties at a memorial honoring fallen officers. Apparently, when the uh, 75,000 people uh, gathered at the uh, at the waterfront, they met, ran out of space for the porta potties. And apparently, people didn't look down at the cement to see that it was a memorial for officers. So that's where they uh, they set up the porta potties. So, Otillamook County authorities say a 22-year-old man died when his Jeep rolled down a steep mountainside after a tow rope broke. Now, this is the son of the sheriff's deputy of uh, Willamina. He was camping with friends east of Tillamook. So he was driving a bit fast on the dirt road. The, the Jeep slides down the trail, so instead of calling AAA, as most people would do, they tied a rope to the Jeep. Well, it eventually snapped, and the vehicle rolled down very quickly down the hill with the uh, person inside of it, and uh, he was killed. So you should pay the extra money for the AAA. Really? Don't try to tie a rope onto the back of anything. <laughs> isn't, isn't AAA like $7 a month? Yeah. I mean, it's it's really dirt cheap. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's cheaper than that. Yeah, there's there's really no excuse at this point. But it's like renter's insurance. There's no excuse for not having that. The fault will be your own when all of your possessions are lost. Well, the first ship for the Rose Festival has arrived, and it is now docked along the waterfront downtown. This is the EPA's OSB Bold. It's used to monitor the impact that humans and pollution have on coastal waters. It's appropriate. <laughs> it's appropriate that it's in the Willamette. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the tall sailing ships arrive in the Morris South of the Morrison Bridge tomorrow. Oh God, God! So is it tom- between is, two and three? Is it tomorrow that the bridge lifts begin? Yes. Between two people, and three. All you people have to go over to the east side. Oh, I pity you. <laughs> you know, I don't think 
you do, Tim. I don't think you actually pity people on the east side. I think there's a sort of smug loathing, but not much pity. I don't believe you feel the slightest bit sorry for anybody on the east side, Tim. I think I've been to the east side a couple times this year. By accident. <laughs> I actually made it out to Tannisborn, or however you pronounce that, Tannisborn, for the first time this weekend. I didn't know you were there. What was in Tannisborn? Oh, a bunch of icky people. Tim. Except for Tim. I swear, I almost had a mental breakdown. I'm sorry, Tim. Like, you and I just come from different worlds. I don't understand it. Like, I miss, like, the the urban sprawl and all the loud, like, soccer moms with their, like, screeching with their babies and, like... I don't understand your world of clean streets and convenience stores, Tim Riley. Who are you? the best Nordstrom Rack out there ever. Well, that's, I mean, I will... That's that Nordstrom Rack was I got I purchased two pairs of shoes there. That's where we went. Then we did the uh, the Crystal Skull premiere uh, in in Tannisborn. And not all of us who live in Tannisborn breed. <laughs> it is true. Yeah, the ones. Yeah, they were just like a, a, around me like a halo everywhere I'd walk. I was just like, oh, dude, you really at some point you have to uh, spend like three or four days in Utah, specifically in Provo in Utah County, uh, which is the most child having county in all of the United States, because it's endless girls who are. And you will never feel older than when you go to Provo because all the girls get married there at like 18, 19, 20. And immediately they start sure, having kids. Oh, yeah. And so you and it's sad. I think I told you the last time I went to Provo, I was at the we went to a mall and we went to a Starbucks or something. And, and um, it, 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 there was all of these girls there. And Mormon girls were all really scorchingly hot. But they all get married and start reproducing really young. So there's this girl that was a dead ringer for your friend Delane. Uh, but about 19 years old and already, like, lugging, like, three kids behind her. And she had, like, the big, that SUV child stroller thing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, all huge with the big rubbery tires on it, whatever. And it's all, so, it's, but but the suburbs are often a scaled-down version of that. And they right. have a really good goodwill out there, too. Oh, no, they, they, that's the thing. is a lot, like, some of the, the very best through. stores are located in the suburbs, which is why you're sort of required to go there now and again. Mm-hmm. We have a goodwill, too. It's right next door to Chili's. Oh. What used to be Chili's. Oh, by the way, and since that bridge lift is going to be happening between 2 and 3 tomorrow, that really means between, like, 2 and 4. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah. it never goes They're on time. Late. And there's always that guy, that bastard on the Jack Sparrow ship that has to come in and you know, wave at everybody on the shore while everybody else is just sitting there baking in rush hour traffic, desperately trying to get home. So, uh, so that begins tomorrow. So what is the – I know I ask this every year, but so the, the bridge lift is coming through tomorrow starting at 2.30? Two. Two. Those so, are for the tall ships, not not the battleships. Wait, so is this the Rose Festival? The well, the Rose yeah. Festival is coming soon. But when? Okay. But what are these? Wait, so this is not for the Rose Festival. Well, eventually they'll be here through the Rose Festival. How long? I can never figure this out. I never go to it. Not me either. How long does the Rose Festival go? Uh, is it just one weekend, or is it like many through, weekends? Through uh, Monday, June 9th. Beginning when? What is the first day that the Rose Festival happens? Is it this coming weekend? <laughs> I did see that the carnival is already set up down there. For whatever that, that's worth, I was going over the uh, the bridge and I saw that the uh, there's already like a Ferris wheel. And, and Laura and I actually had this whole conversation because now that we're talking about the Rose Festival, I think that I am actually going to be required to go this weekend because I made I made the mistake of uh, of revealing to my wife last night that I've never ridden on a Ferris wheel, and she immediately denounced me as being a bad American. Uh, so I think I'm going to be obliged to go and have a funnel cake and ride the Ferris wheel or whatever this weekend. But, okay, so the key is try to go over bridges that don't have to lift or raise or part or separate or, you know, whatever. Don't forget to have some of those uh, deep-fried onion rings. Yeah. No. They're using the, the same grease they use in Toledo. <laughs> they across the country. They never well, you don't want to buy new grease. Tim, grease doesn't grow on trees. All right. None of the uh, battleships are plenty there. All right. So All right. Go down and see them. It should be very exciting. Uh, more than 13 pounds of chocolate laced 
uh, psychedelic mushrooms has been seized at a campsite near the Gorge Amphitheater. This is during a big music festival. Undercover detectives bought drugs from the suspects at the Gorge Campground in central Washington. Three Oregon men and one Oregon woman and one Alaska man, ranging in age from 20 and 27, were thrown into the Grant County Jail in Euphreda. Where did they get these stuff? Euphreda. Euphreda going to jail? <laughs> Both... <laughs> was that a real laugh or a courtesy laugh? That was a courtesy laugh. Okay. Uh, that was a sitcom laugh. Beside the chocolate psychedelic mushrooms, deputies seized another 37 pounds of raw non-chocolate mushrooms, 25 grams of hash oil, 4 grams of meth, 1.2 pounds of marijuana, along with about $9,000 in cash and the Jeep Cherokee. This happened during the Sasquatch Music Festival. Ah, the Sasquatch Music Festival. I think we were giving away tickets to that. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Is I think a it's mascot. Bless you, sir. I think no. I think it's like a. Uh, I think it's like everything else. It's a, it's it's just like a knockoff of Lollapalooza. I think there's a lot of those. Lollapalooza, which I do believe itself is a knockoff of Bumbershoot. I think it is sort of a traveling Bumbershoot concert. So, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hola. Hello. How can I help you today? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, there are no battleships that come to the Rose Festival. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Yeah, well, they're just little tiny cruisers and destroyers. Wait, yeah, because the, the ships are too big to actually come in here. Did we say that yeah. there were battleships? Well, we don't have coming? any battleships. No, yeah. no, no. He, he said earlier that's when the battleships come in, but there's no battleships. I think he might have been, uh, there might have been a little sass on his part, sir. Yeah, well, smack him for me, will you please? I think uh, we should get angry about it. All right. That's yeah. what <laughs> Yeah, whatever we do, let's make sure that we take time out of our valuable lives to call radio programs and complain about it. All right. Uh, just for you, there's going to be a battleship. Bring one in if I have From to go. From now on, we're just going to talk about them being, like, tomorrow, can we just please say all the battleships We should in? completely distribute. You know what we should do for a whole day? Distribute false just information. Just distribute completely false information. The carrier enterprise. Not, not harmful in any way. Just completely well, and totally false. You know what I mean? There's a fleet of battleship coming. Battleships. I feel like maybe it should be singular. Battleship. Fleet of battleship. You know, okay. You know, I was having trouble with this the other day. The fleet uh, when I was saying, Jesus, there was some plural or singular thing that I was having trouble with the other day. I realize now that would be unbelievably tedious radio. We're not going to talk about it. Here's Tim Riley. Barack Obama has won the back of another Oregon superdelegate, giving him the lead of five to two over Hillary, with five more yet to announce their decisions. The Democratic chairwoman Meredith Wood Smith of Portland said she would vote for Obama at the National Convention because he won the Oregon primary and has demonstrated leadership that the country needs. Oregon won 31 pledged delegates to Hillary Clinton's, uh, Obama rather, won 31 pledged delegates to Hillary's 21 in the Oregon primary May 20th. The superdelegates are party officials and office holders who may vote for whom they please. Two of Oregon's a dozen have come out for Obama since the results were announced, both citing Obama's victory. He needs fewer than 50 more votes to clinch the nomination. Uh, by the way, somebody says, hey, Rick, I have some Greyhound memories for you. I rode Greyhound from Denver to PDX years ago. Two highlights I immediately remember. One, leaving the parking lot of a 7-Eleven where we'd stop for food. <laughs> that, which of course, That's where you always stop when you're at a Greyhound. That and some place called like Bob's Hungry Eye Hamburgers. Um, place where you stop for food, the bus had to slam on its brakes at one point, toppling someone's 50-gallon ginormo gulp in the rear and coating the eye with sticky soda residue for the next two days. I can see it rolling down that aisle. <laughs> Completely. And so every time you got to get up to go use the bathroom, just... Uh, two, stopping in Pendleton, where five young men in fresh blue jeans and white T-shirts boarded with fresh walking papers from the Eastern Oregon Correctional Facility. The best part is that one of them had a girlfriend by the time we reached Portland. 
Best $38 I ever spent. All right, thank you. Here's Tim Riley. A man hired to uh, help keep troubled singer Amy Winehouse on the street in Narrow has been fired after he was eventually caught smoking crack. <laughs> Alex Haynes was an employee of Winehouse's label who was instructed to keep an eye on her. Reportedly, Haynes was captured smoking crack on tape. The singer's mom raved about Haynes last month, telling Britain's Daily Mail that he's, quote, a lovely boy uh-huh. who was a good influence on her daughter. Always seems so energetic and full of pep. A spokesman for Winehouse's label has confirmed that Haynes is no longer in their employ. Well, all right. Uh, the boy who talked his way onto airline flights to Texas last year has attempted another getaway. Samaj Booker was stopped yesterday by TSA at SeaTac after he failed to show a boating pass. His mother had reported him missing to Tacoma Police at 3 in the morning. What's with all this stuff at 3 in the morning? People should be home sleeping. On uh, January, in January 2007, when he was 9, he got through airport security to make it to San Antonio with a stop in Phoenix. Days before, he had stolen and crashed the car. His mother told authorities he wasn't happy living in Lakewood and wanted to be with his <laughs> grandfather in Dallas. He was convicted of car theft last July, but he didn't have to go to juvenile detention if he stayed out of trouble for a year. Didn't make it. <laughs> no, he didn't. All right, let's do one more, then we'll take a break and try to get back on schedule. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's some good news from China at last. <laughs> That's how I know this story is full of, full of mis, mis, uh, mis uh, things. A Chinese man has stunned his fellow villagers by demonstrating his ability to squirt milk out of his eyes. Ah. Nan Yiming drank milk through his nose and then squirted it up to two meters with his eyes. Two meters is six feet. That's pretty impressive. He lives in Shandong. He showed off his natural skills in Nanjing, the capital of Jangun province. I am calling right now for anybody who has the ability to squirt liquids out of their eyes to call the show. He also uses his ears to blow up two balloons at any one time. That's a lie. You can't do that. It's from the People's Daily. <laughs> the glorious People's Daily, Tim. I mean, that is the journal of the revolution. They would have never believed it without seeing it with their own eyes. I don't believe it. So that is the truth. I can almost believe. Well, look. Well, how would the milk even get in your eyes? Milk gets in your eyes. How um how would it even get there to begin with? It didn't offer any explanation. Is this like some sort of Spider-Man thing where he was bitten by a radioactive cow and now he has like milk slingers? <laughs> I don't know. That's only funny to me. Okay. I am so loopy today. Uh, that's hilarious to me for some reason. Um, but how would the he's okay? He can squirt milk six feet from his eyes. Uh-huh. Is there a video? Does the, does, the, does the article have, like, a picture or some sort of a link to... Can it's I, a picture. Is it a picture? Wow! Oh, that ain't right. Hey, Sarah, look at this. Oh, no. No! Bad! bad. <laughs> Too late. Owned. Oh. A Chinese man has stunned onlookers. Yes, Imagine, has. I wonder if he ever goes up to people and doesn't warn them. Here's what I would do. If I was this guy, you got to look at this. This is Ananova, A-N-A-N-O-V-A, Ananova.com. Uh, man, squirts milk from eyes. Okay, but you know what I would do if I was this guy? If I had, if I had this ability to squirt milk for six feet out of my eyes, wouldn't you constantly be going to people going, "Hey, uh, pardon me, do I have something in my eye?" <laughs> Come on, that'd be great. That'd impress people at parties. Yeah. Well, it's something to cheer people up. They've very little to be happy about. This is, you know, what it is. It's like he has the ocular equivalent of Richie's cheek. I mean, that's really what it looks like here. Hold on a second. I seem to have a little something. <laughs> Uh, squirt milk out of his eyes. Zhang Yinming drank. Oh, he okay. He, he drank milk through his nose. 
and then squirted it up to two meters with his eyes. How do you drink through your nose? Well, I think he would just go, <clears throat> but I mean, how would it go into your eyes and not your lungs? I demand somebody with a working knowledge of the human body to call up right now and explain this to me. Maybe somebody from Omzi knows. Uh, let's see. He's shown up his unusual skills in Nanjing City. This is Okay, here's the part that I really, really don't get, though. Um, they say he also used his ears to blow up two balloons at the same time, presumably one balloon on each ear. Mm-hmm. But you're, Simultaneously. Yeah, but, I mean, your ears aren't connected to your lungs in any way. Not Unless like you're a chicken. Are you bluffing? Taking a guess. Okay. The, the, I mean, chicken has lungs. Is that correct? I, I believe. So I don't really. Blow off a balloon if given the opportunity. Hi, right. you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, uh, the mechanism for firing the uh, milk out your eyes is the tear ducts. Uh, you uh, huff the milk into your sinus cavity, which is connected to your tear ducts, and then uh, you plug your nose and mouth and you know blow or Wait, whatever. Wait. So, so the, so the deal is, you would inhale milk up your nose. And it then goes into your, if you block everything else, it then goes into your eye? Well, in your sinus cavity, you know, your nose, your mouth, and your tear ducts are all connected. I guess that that makes sense. I guess that's why there's, when you get a sinus, uh, you know, blockage or infection or something, that's why you, like, you get a headache behind your eyes or whatever. It's like an eye, ear, nose, and throat thing. Okay. If you uh, look on uh, YouTube, uh, I'm sure they've got videos of it. Fox used to run a really terrible TV show called uh, Guinness Book of World Records, uh-huh. and uh, they had a whole series, like four or five weeks worth of uh, people one-upping each other on how far they could spray milk out of their tear ducts. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. What really? Okay, since you're on the phone, what does it do with him being able to blow up balloons from his ears? I call a little bit of BS on that one. I have no idea. All right. Well, I have okay. no information on that one. Well, it is China. All right, thank you. Yep. All right, bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. You knew that this call would start out this way. That guy has no idea what he's talking about. Of course. All right. It's called the eustachian tube, and it goes from your nose to your eyes and to your ears. That's when you bite, when you plug your nose and blow, you can clear your ears. Oh, I see. So it's all, all sort of one, one circular intra-head racetrack. Yeah, see, what we need is that otolaryngologist that was calling up yesterday to offer ear tests. That is true, the guy who called up to offer the ear test. He might be able to explain this. All right, excellent. Thank you. All right, fantastic. All right, take a break. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins the Puppet Master series uh, on DVD, a giant Puppet Master DVD box set. Uh, we're also giving away tickets today to Charles Band's Full Moon Horror Road Show happening this Friday, May 30th at the Aladdin Theater. It's 503-733-2970. Stay there. Says 313,408. Fools. What is in column E? I don't know. We're t- I don't even know what column E is. We're talking about the. We do CBS just. CBS just sent out an email congratulating us, this very fine radio station, KCMD Portland. Total time spent listening? They are congratulating uh, AM 970 on having uh, massive numbers of online listeners. Hello, online listeners. Thank you. Hello. All right. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. This email says Rick, 
A perforated eardrum allows free air exchange between sinuses and your ears. W.C. Fields, for example, had a perforated eardrum, and he could blow cigarette smoke out of his ears. Milk out your ears would be truly impressive. If I was this guy in China that could blow milk out of my eyes, though, I mean, the next thing I would be doing, well, after joining a sideshow of some kind, is to see if I, what, like, what other liquids I might be able to spray out. And then during the break, I was asking Sarah if she'd ever seen. So you never saw, you have never heard of the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow? No, I don't oh, know. Oh, man, you really missed out. I think the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow is just a couple of years before your time. I think if you had been born a year or two earlier, you'd know this. The Jim Rose Circus Sideshow was sort of a, it was like an in-person, small kind of on-stage theatrical version of Jackass. Uh, and it first gained prominence on Lollapalooza. Uh, and all the Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza oh, so it tours. Was a TV show or it, was a, it was a performance I think he, No, I think he had DVDs that he sold, but there, at that point there was no market. He's another guy where he sort of brought something to the American mainstream and then it was taken by somebody else who was more successful with it, in this case Johnny Knoxville. So uh, Jim Rose Circus Sideshow, it was just all of these freaks on stage who had insane abilities or... Uh, who could withstand huge amounts of pain or whatever? There was a guy. Uh, for, there was a guy who uh, called Mr. Lifto, and Mr. Lifto's deal was he had a sensitive area of his male anatomy pierced, and he could lift like 50 pound bricks with it. Oh! And so the deal is he would stand on like a chair, and then they would have like a bar stool kind of up between his legs, holding a 50 pound brick that was tethered to his member. And then they would take the bar stool away, and he would hold the 50-pound brick from his member. Wow. There was a guy who – there was another guy who would uh, – they would break glass – like, they would get drinking glasses and light bulbs, break them on stage, and then he would lay down on the broken glass, and audience members would come up and jump up and down on him. Uh, so it's just like a, a, a typical freak show. It was of, kind right? of a freak show, and then the highlight was – I don't think this was actually Jim Rose who could do this. I forget the guy who could do this. But one of the one of the highlights of every Jim Rose Circus Sideshow performance is there was a guy who could swallow – all kinds of you know different liquids, and then regurgitate them at will without regurgitating any of the other liquid. So you could give him like a glass of milk, a glass of beer, and a glass of Pepto Bismol, and then on command he could give you as much as you wanted of whatever beverage it was. Oh. And so then they would of course inevitably have some yahoo who would come up from the audience and go, I'd like the beer, and then he would regurgitate like a cup of beer, and the guy would drink it. So, but that's but that's kind of what this this guy in China sort of reminds me of. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Don't think about it. Try to put it out of your mind. That's really disgusting. How would you even do that? It's only to me. I don't know. If I could do it, I'd be on stage. But he he toured. uh, He was one of the opening acts for, I think, the second and third Lollapalooza tour. And then he would do, like, small club tours. And it was one of those things that he did, and he he came right up to the edge of mainstream popularity. But there was just no venue for it. The Internet didn't really exist. And there was no YouTube or whatever. And I think he's kind of faded away. I don't think he does anything now. But then Johnny Knoxville sort of saw that and, and kind of put two and two together and kind of came along with his own variation on it. Why has the living section be, been renamed How We Live? That's ridiculous. Maybe that's to uh, maybe it's to gather a bigger, broader, wider audience, Tim Riley. That uses more newsprint. I thought newspapers are supposed to be coming back and economizing. I'm sorry. I'll pass your complaints along to Peter Carlin. The title makes all the difference. Well, traffic officials can't put it off any longer. They have to raise fares due to growing gas prices. Now, this is really bad because I ran the maximum. It doesn't use any gas. It runs on electricity, doesn't it? I would imagine so. Wait, but this is is this one of those things where we thought that it didn't take any gas, but then somebody's going to call up and say that it takes gas to turn a turbine, to create steam, to push a thing, to turn a windmill, to knock a marble down some stairs, to hit a boot that turns on a, a light bulb that heats a match. Well, those TriMet buses run on diesel fuel, apparently. Wait, when you're talking, are you talking about the TriMet bus or the, the TriMet bus or the TriMet train, the Max? 
Well, it says Tramet officials can't put it off any longer. They have to raise fares. Now, Trimet, actually, the max is part of Trimet. Uh, right. It, it, it has three Mets. That's why it's called Wait, Trimet. Wait, but so are they, but are you saying they're rising, raising the fare on buses or on the max or both? It's, it just says they're raising rates. Oh, I would imagine that's at least on the bus. Uh, it's not everything. Yeah, because the buses all just run on regular gas, don't they? Isn't that the thing? Or do they run on natural gas? Diesel. So, uh, see there's, there, there's some other fuel. They have these, like, mini buses, and they smell like barbecue grills. Well, I think that's propane. Uh, Maybe that's what it is. I mean, it's like driving behind a barbecue, like somebody's frying chicken or something. So does it say how much uh, it does not. the rate? Oh, man. All right. Well, oh, uh, they do say diesel prices have increased by 40 cents. Okay, see, and now having, uh, see, we're, we're again sort of plunging into something that I don't understand that everybody else in the world probably has figured out. Does anybody here in this room know the difference between gasoline and diesel? No. Tim? Diesel vehicles are really noisy. <laughs> there you go. That is the scientific difference, according to AM970. I have a neighbor who wakes us all up every morning starting up his diesel truck, and he's probably paying a lot more than than people with a gasoline-powered vehicle are now. Now, diesel is, now it's loud, it smells weird, but at the same time, you get much better gas mileage from diesel, don't you? I'm not sure. I've never had a diesel vehicle. Is, sure, somebody is a driver out there who would know. Is diesel a type of gasoline? Is it maybe like a, is it like a gasohol or something? Is it some, some related type of gas? Yeah, perhaps so. These are no, things you, I don't I know. I just noticed that it's more expensive. And I don't understand, yeah, and I don't, and I don't know why... I don't know why propane, though the propane-run bus would go up in price, or the max for that matter, except unless you just sort of operate under the assumption that when they rate, here we are talking about gas prices again. After saying the other day we weren't going to do it. Uh, so are you happy, Laura? Huh? Happy? Talk about gas prices. So if you operate under the assumption that they will raise the price, the fare on a regular bus that runs on gas, then I guess it is also fair to say that they will raise the price on the max and on propane and diesel buses just because they can. Yeah. In other words, like in, you know what I mean? Like if they just tried to raise the price on the max for no reason, uh, people would probably squawk about it. But if they're going to be raising the price on the bus anyway, they can just kind of do it across the board and hope that nobody will really notice, kind of doing it under the cover of darkness. That would be my speculation, Tim mm -hmm. Riley, but I'm not a scientist. Well, there's further punishment. Horizon Air is discontinuing service to Butte, Montana. That's right. It costs too much to fly there. And some other cities, too. Uh, let's see. No more Billings to Portland service. Also, uh, Pasco to Seattle. Really? So if you're in the Tri-Cities, you'll no longer be able to fly to Seattle? Well, apparently, well oh, that's just on Horizon Air. Yeah, Horizon Air, coming back. Uh, Kelowna to Seattle. Idaho Falls to Boise. I don't even know where Kelowna is. Lewiston to Boise. Ah. Bend to Portland. Billings to Helena. Idaho Falls to Seattle. Boise to Sacramento. And, this is like listening the to the ball. greeting message at an airport. <laughs> Wenatchee to Seattle. Wenatchee to Seattle. I mean, if you're in Wenatchee, it just seems like it should be a one-way trip anyway. If you're in Wenatchee and you're going to Seattle, what could you possibly... I mean, why would you ever want to go back? I mean, what would be in Wenatchee that would somehow Elaine call you back to that Wenatchee. town? Well, is she pregnant yet? No, not yet. She, just, she has like 17 dogs now. Of course she does, because there's just cause there's nothing else to do. Um, I will say, actually, Laura and I are going to San Diego for a couple of days in June. And here I am talking about gas for the second time within five minutes. <laughs> well, it's relatable. I suppose. Uh, that uh, so we're we're going to San Diego for a couple of days, and I had to buy you know my plane fare, and it, it, we did the same trip about eight months ago, uh, and it's like eighty dollars more than it was. I mean, I'm traveling the same days of the week, the same number of days, uh, and they're just like jacking it up like eighty five dollars, I think. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This deal over uh, TriMet uh, and they're raising the fees. 
really gripes me, and it really... Does it chap your hide, sir? It does. And, you know, I don't even ride the bus because I have to drive so far from work, to work, out of town. So I don't have a choice in it. But they just had an article about three weeks ago in the paper. TriMet has stated how much their ridership is up. It's considerable amount. Well, they don't add more buses. They increase the income because the buses are full. So doesn't that money cover the increased cost of diesel? Well, I would, but I mean, the more people who ride the bus, the more gas they have to use because the bus becomes heavier, though. Isn't that true? Yeah, but that's... People middle. weigh a lot. I mean, seriously, if you get 10 more people riding the bus, that's 1,000 pounds. Yeah, but it's, you know, on that, that uh, caliber of a vehicle, I mean, you're probably talking a tenth of a mile per gallon, if that. I realize because now I have no idea what I'm talking about in this conversation. It, it really gets my goat. <laughs> it really, it really... Um, I already said chaps my hide. You want me to tell you how I re really feel? No, I want you to hold on for a second. Okay. I don't think there are any more. Gets my goat, chaps my hide. It really, it really floats. No, yanks, <laughs> lovingly caresses. I got nothing. There's nothing more. All right. Well, I don't really know enough. Here's the thing. I could, I could do the talk radio host thing, which is to now stridently and ardently defend my position, regardless of the fact that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I could just, like, who do you know how many, I have no... how much weight puts how much pressure on the bus to increase the gas mileage? Like... Sir, it's an issue of torque, and that's the thing I don't think. How diesel burns? No, I don't. Um, and, it's just and, compression. They don't have spark. With absolutely no mastery of the facts, it's part of like the talk radio codicil that I really ought to just plunge on ahead and go, sir, you are correct, and I would like to know from where you get your information, and then I would yell at you for uh, I would yell at you for hating America, and then I'd hang up on you. Well, sir. let's talk about milk out of the eyes. Richie says it pains my nads. <laughs> this really pains my nads. All right, thank you, sir. You bet. All right. <laughs> he was so dispirited by the end of the call, but I had nowhere to go. I mean, really, to continue to just uh, argue my position was just going to have to fly in the face of the fact that I don't know what the F I'm talking about. All right. Uh, uh, Boy, these are all going to be gas calls, aren't they? Well, we're going to have to call uh, Dr. Bill Wattenberg. Uh, is this... I wonder, if, I wonder if he's got more uh, airtime at KGO these days. I wonder, wonder if they've expanded his show. Um... Ray Taliaferro's back from vacation, though. <laughs> Ray Taliaferro on News Talk 810 KGO. Uh, all right, let's see here. Uh, Just jab at one. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes and pick one of these and pray that it's not about gas. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. What are you calling about? I'm calling about oil. Now, of course you are. What the, how can I help you? Uh, oil, gas, propane, all of these things, they all come out of crude oil. Okay, Crude oil is the stuff that they pump out of the ground, right? Sure. Yes. Just stay with me here. Then they, they, they run it through a furnace. They boil it. Inside of crude oil is like all these different types of hydrocarbons, all these different atoms. Chosen oh, so poorly. Yes. And the, uh, the different temperature at which these things become a gas, they, they separate off. So, you know, fuel oil is heavier, diesel oil is lighter, kerosene is lighter. All right. Why would somebody pick diesel for their car as opposed to regular gas? Quickly. Just bottom line me. Uh, Diesel uh, engines have more torque. They're stronger at a lower RPM. They so this is if you need to basically, if you're driving a truck or you need something that has a little more horsepower they to it. They make too much noise. Exactly. Plus right. they are a very fuel efficient. All right. So let's just, let's just bottom line this here. We'll skip to the end of the page, as they say. I don't need to see the math, but does it make sense for TriMet to raise the rates on buses and the max in response to rising oil costs? 
Well, yes, because they pretty much have one set fare, and it doesn't matter how you're getting around, whether it's on the max or the bus. Well, that's not true, because isn't the, isn't the max fare different than the bus fare, though, already? I can't believe we're having this discussion. No, Thank you. No, we're going to end now. I can't believe we're sitting here talking about how much a bus fare is as compared to the max fare. And, you know, my neighbor's dog barks. <laughs> I was just going to say. And my neighbor has an apple tree, but the apples fell into my yard. Do the apples belong to me? Because the tree's in his yard, and it's on his side of the fence, although I didn't want the fence there to be there anyway, but he's got a little girl, and the girl keeps wandering into my yard, and the girl keeps coming up and talking to the cat, and I tell the girl to stay away from the cat, but the girl doesn't stay away from the cat. I don't know why. And then she swells up to the size of a beach ball, and then he's got to take her into the clinic because apparently she's got some allergy to my cat, and I told him. And the don't gardeners your... aren't raking up the grass clippings <laughs> afterwards. And Myron doesn't call anymore. He doesn't write. So, all right. Uh, uh, I apologize to everybody, but we're just going to have to quit talking about Bus fare, relatable or not, bus fares and gas calls have to stop again. Disappoint everybody. Because don't you get the? Here's the thing. If we can just sort of talk about the mechanics of radio for a minute, don't you suspect that no one cares, and yet everybody calls about it? Yeah. I mean, it's perplexing. It really is a strange irony in talk radio. People always say they hate us, but they continue to listen. Well, that's true. I mean, I'll never understand that, but I mean. But I mean that. But that's the thing is, like, no one. Who do you know out there that's like, you know, I'm going to turn on the radio today, and I'm really hoping they're discussing the price of bus fares and oil. No one cares about it. Yet every time we discuss it, the phones light up. This is why, like, idiot talk show hosts, and not like I'm like any like the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I mean, there are people who do this for four hours a day. Let's talk about gas prices and foreigners. Well, because it plays on the people's emotions too. I mean, everyone has an emotional reaction to it. Everyone's getting you know totally screwed by the oil company yeah. wants someone to talk to. I suppose. And the other thing is, for, for the average talk show host, and I think everybody kind of goes through this sort of phase when they are uh, when they are in the talk radio industry, especially if you were a talk show host in the mid-90s, uh, where it was all about the number of phone calls and sort of jacking up your call rate, as they used to say. I used there a dog in the corner of the studio? No, Even our canine friends are upset. Uh, but I used, to have this, I used to have this PD that would come in every day, and he would demand a look at my call log. And the call sheet was like this list of how many people called, what they were calling about, if they agreed or disagreed, and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he would come in every day and, like, demand to know how many calls I took. Like, how many calls did you put on the air today? I don't know. Nine. Put on more! And he would be angry that I hadn't put on more calls. That's a person whose job should be eliminated. Well, that's, his job was eliminated, Tim. Thank goodness. Uh, what a wasteful thing. But, I mean, especially if you were a talk show host in the, in like the, in the mid-'90s, you got really, really into call volume, as they call it. And that's not the, 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 that's not the vol, that, that's not allowed to call it. Call volume is you know, the number of people you put on the air. And also because if you're doing a talk show, host, a talk show a gig by yourself, in other words, if there's nobody else on the show with you, if you're just some guy in a room... Uh, you know, it can be, it, it, it can be really, um, a lot of times it just becomes a call-heavy show because it's the easiest way to sort of figure out what the tenor of the audience is and what the tone of the audience is. Um, what was my point here? Oh, and so, but a lot of talk shows just fall into finding anything that sort of generates a lot of phone calls regardless of how uninteresting it may be. Gas prices are one of those things. See also all, like, you know, the big ones, like nuclear power used to be, and gay marriage, and gun control, and abortion, and whatever. So anytime you hear a talk show host discussing any of those things, anytime you hear somebody coming, they're trying to take our guns away. That's just somebody who woke up late and has no newspaper in front of him, has nothing to discuss. I'm waiting for the astrologer to call. Exactly, and they go to that because it's the easiest way to get the phones to fill up so you don't actually have to be entertaining or interesting yourself. The other thing, and here's a little another secret. Anytime you turn on a turn on a talk show, uh, especially a late night talk show, and they have one of two things: in either an astrologer, or they have someone who will interpret your dreams. That is someone who overslept and has no material for that day. 
So today we have uh, Sybil the Soothsayer who's going to be here. And uh, if you have questions about love or your career, uh, maybe if you uh, have a relative who has passed on and you want to know if they're okay, uh, you want to know uh, what became of Aunt Susie or Uncle John, uh, Sybil can take those calls and, uh, and, and they'll be able to, uh, you know, they can tell you sort of where your loved ones are uh, in, the, uh, in the next life. So, all right. Um, well, let's just see what people are calling about now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. How are you? Hi, are you calling about gas? No, I'm not. God bless you. Yay. <laughs> All right, what's up? Um, I have a, another get your goat sort of reference type thing. Okay. And if you if you had seen uh, Family Guy, you would have known this. Grinds my gears. <laughs> Grinds my gears. I like yeah, that one. Because uh, he, Peter has a, a news uh, editorial section, and he calls it Grinds My Gears. All right. I remember that one. Thank you, so, sir. Yes. I'll start working that in the conversation. Yeah. All right. You're welcome. You. Oh, I just remembered another one. One of my um, ones from Shelley Long from uh, Troop Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. She said that really frosts my cookies. Okay. Duly noted. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Let's do a snuff watch. Here's a snuff watch. I don't even know who this is for. Here's oh. a snuff watch for uh, Wednesday, the regular show. Frost cookies. Really glazes my donut. Who knows who Earl Hagen was? No one. All right. Well, he composed uh, many uh, television themes, including Eight is Enough. Really? The Wait. Dukes of Hazard. Hold on. Let's go through these one at a time now. This is the sort of thing that I can just milk for, for uh, an eternity. I know. I want to do something to make you feel a little bit better. He can, thank you. <laughs> he, can, he can. Everybody call now and sing your favorite television theme song, and then Sybil will be here. So what did he compose? Eight is enough. Eight is enough to fill our hearts with love. Da, 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 da. Make room for daddy. I don't know that one. <laughs> the best part is you, you sang like five notes and, and then just tra- trailed off into silence. It was uh, sort of like I'll a name that tune kind of a thing. I know. I should have a lot of these, shouldn't I? All right. I'll just wait. Uh, let's see here. The Dukes of Hazard. He composed the Dukes of Hazard. I thought that was Waylon Jennings. That's a lie. He. That's li- where is that? It's revisionist. Where, from, from where is that drawn, that news story? Uh, Hollywood. That's... What do you mean? Just in general? Yes. Where is it from? California. What do you mean it's the new it's, the story is from Hollywood like from what actual news source it doesn't, it doesn't listen. it's just from Hollywood on classictvshows.com it says it was written and sung by Waylon Jennings yeah that's that's a lie he did not do the dukes of hazard theme i won't have such revisionism here on the rick emerson program well you can just well, let me take this out of the eulogy then just scratch it out angrily okay. we should go protest at his funeral uh, the Andy Griffith Show, he is the one who whistled. Is he, he didn't just compose it, he is the actual whistler. He, he is the whistler. Good for him. All right. Uh, the Dick, Dick Van Dyke Show. I don't think I can do that one either. Can you do that one, Tim? Will it sound just like the other one you did? Oh, sort of vague and tuneless and ending way too Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I know that. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, other ones. That girl. No. Gomer Pyle, USMC. I don't think I can do Gomer Pyle from memory either. This is going to end up in a best of show, isn't it? <laughs> this will be, you'll be a, you can hear this again tomorrow at 10.35, halfway through the Rick Emerson recap. I can't do the Gomer Pyle theme song either. No. Okay. What else? Uh, I Spy. I can't do I Spy. It's amazing. the number. I'm a failure. <laughs> it's amazing the number of TV theme songs I can't do. Uh, so, uh... 
Harlem Nocturne. That's why I care about this because okay, now this is weird because he. So now we get into the films part. The, okay, this is why we care about this guy who just died because do you remember last Thursday or Friday we were talking about what would your th- what would your theme song be if you were a private detective? Mm-hmm. And I said that mine would be. Mine would be too loud. Oh my Sorry. God. When, I said, <laughs> when I said that mine would be deafening. Remember when? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh I didn't you realize. have lost your computer privileges for five minutes. I didn't realize that was turned up so loud. No, that, that was turned pain. Up so loud. Oh, sorry. And of that course, wasn't even like comical pain. And of course, it was like a big brass hit oh. right in the beginning. <laughs> it just blew one eardrum through the other side of my head. Sorry about that. The scary thing was it wasn't that loud over here. Um, oh, it was loud enough over here. <laughs> I wonder if everybody on the stream is now deaf, too. Hello. Sorry. All right. In any event. He was the guy, all right, who did this, Harlem Nocturne. Well, this was the theme song to Mike Hammer, the television show uh-huh. with Stacey Keach. Yep. And this is what I was saying would be my theme song uh, were I a private detective. And we were actually just talking about this song, I think it was on Friday. So, and now he's dead. All right, well, there you go. So that guy's dead. Did you uh, write an angry letter noting that he did not do Can I see that article? Sure. I want to see these shenanigans about him writing the Dukes of Hazard theme song. Here's the uh, Gomer Pyle thing. You can pop me up. Here it is. Do we have the... <laughs> Pyle, USMC. Starring Jim Neighbors as Gomer Pyle. Also starring Frank Sutton as Sergeant Carter. Yeah, I don't really remember this. You know, here's the thing. I never liked this show. Well, it was a spin-off. Of, uh, of Andy, Andy, Andy Griffith's show. Yeah. The thing about uh, the thing about Gomer Pyle, USMC or whatever the name of it was, is that he was just such an off-puttingly stupid character. Did you watch Gomer Pyle? I can't imagine you watching Gomer Pyle and enjoying it because he's just such a hillbilly. No, no. Back before cable, you put the TV on one channel <laughs> and, you and it, it there. stayed there till your dad went to sleep. <laughs> it stayed there until they showed the Iwo Jima flag raising, and then it went. To... Well, we had high flight. Oh, I have. Left the surly bonds of earth and touched the hand of God. <laughs> TV show comes start. I don't even know what you're talking about. TV stations used to sign up with the National Anthem and then a poem called High Flight. I don't remember. The, who is, by whom is High Flight? It was, I believe, a Canadian aviator. I don't understand. Ronald Reagan, why. Ronald Reagan used that same poem when the Challenger blew up. Really? They touched the face of God. Yeah. That's where that's from. So wait, they so, didn't say that he stole it. So, so from a Canadian. Yeah. So wait, when you would watch television as a kid, they would do the national anthem, and then they would read a poem by a Canadian, and then they would sign off? Mm-hmm. Okay. We didn't get that. You know what we had? We had the national anthem, and then we had... Boy, what a weird time that was. And Sarah doesn't remember that at all. Sarah doesn't remember television shows, a station signing off. That's, you know, um, my only point of reference for that is uh, Poltergeist. Yeah, that's, that's right, when they sign off and then she's... They sign off with the American you know, flag and then... Let's see if this is it. Televisions don't go to snow anymore, do they? You know, no. that, it is, it, I don't think you could get snow on your television to this point if you tried. That's going to be an outdated reference. This is like the music to every Steven Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. Honey, I know I've been distant lately. But sometimes, a man... I don't know, I've got nothing. I feel like I should be doing... I have slipped the surly bonds of Earth. Is this some guy in his living room reciting this? Yes, that's what it sounds like. I know what people on YouTube like to see. Some word I've... And we're done. Yeah, we're done. All right, well, in any event. Okay. 
I don't even know how we got onto this. Uh, anyway, but you know the television going to snow, that is a thing in in like a pop culture. You know what? I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day uh, on KCMD Portland. So the TV going to snow is a thing that, and that's a thing that will now only exist in movies and television shows set in a certain era because it doesn't happen anymore. And I would say within ten to twelve years, the other thing that won't really exist anymore in the cultural consciousness is the dial tone. I mean, because mm-hmm. there will, yeah, there will just be no, there will be no read. The fast busy uh, will continue maddeningly, uh, but the, the dial tone will become a thing of the past. There will be, be no no cause for it. So, all right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hi, how are you, Rick? I'm Dandy. What's up? Good. Hey, uh, I just uh, the diesel thing, all that. We won't get into that. But we, when I I just traveled from Salt Lake City uh, to Portland back and all that jazz. And they charged me $25 extra for the bag I was carrying. Usually they allow you two bags. American Airlines? No, it was Delta. Oh, so now uh, Delta's doing it too. It's spreading. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, it's... and it just had a note that said, effective immediately, we're gaffing you here. Hand us your credit card. Now, wait a minute. So now this was, uh, now was this for, this was a bag you were checking? No, I check my bag, and then I, I always carry two on, you know, right. like a little briefcase and then uh, just another little bag. But they said, uh, no, you have to uh, you have to pay for the second one. We don't allow two for anymore. Carry-on? Wait, you had to pay for the second carry-on? Yes. Oh, that is BS. And I think they charge you to look out the window now, too, when you're flying. <laughs> I know, I, I, what, once the dime runs up, the shade goes down. <laughs> it's like it's something in the Airborne Peep show. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it was oh, funny. come on, I was almost there. That was funny. <laughs> well done, Jim. <laughs> kind of you can go home now, Tim. You've peaked. That was fantastic. Well, but hold on. So, hold, no, 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 no. I have to, I have to figure that. I have to figure this out. So I don't mean to interrupt. Except I'm going to be flying. Uh, I, I'm going to be flying, and I forget what airline I'm even taking. But um, so you, okay. So when had you booked the flight? I had booked the flight two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, did they tell you then this was going to happen? No. So you show up, you yes. check one bag. You've yes. got two carry-ons. We're both carry-ons of regulation size. Yeah, one was a backpack, and the other was just a little, a little like a little duffel bag, you know. Is there a two-bag or a one-bag limit that's sort of posted or known? Uh, usually it was two bags you can bring on or check for free. In other uh, words, so. like this isn't something where they've been turning a blind eye all these years and just now they've started to enforce it. No, it just says effective immediately, uh, one bag check, anything else, uh, you're allowed one bag on, one carry on, and then everything else was $25 a bag. Mm. When are they going to start cramming a week's worth of uh, clothing in their purses? Well, I mean, really, which, well, and I'm, you know, I, yeah, I don't even know how I'm going to. Oh. Laura and I had this had this big disagreement about this the other night that I was telling her that it, it really would it really would improve things if she would actually just start carrying more stuff on because I hate waiting for the luggage return. But my question is, if you had taken your second carry on and had checked it, would they charge you for that too? In other words, were you being penalized for the number of bags, or were you being penalized because you wanted to carry more than one onto the plane? And no, what it was, it and was what the difference is? Okay, I was going to say because what difference does that make? Because doesn't the, doesn't the luggage all go in the belly of the plane anyway? Yeah, yeah, you're allowed one free bag and one carry-on. The third one I usually can just throw on as a, you know, check it or carry it either way. It didn't matter. I had to pay for it because I had three pieces. And so from now, so on that airline now, every bag beyond two, they're going to they're gonna kick you for $25. Beyond one, it sounds like. Well, no, one carry-on, one check. Uh, right. Yeah, and, and I said, so right now, you know, it, and uh, to, to finish it off, it really, you know, pulled my chain. So Thank you. Thank you. Right so what right. was so was he saying? So if I, if you didn't check something, can you bring on two carry-ons? I don't know the answer to that. He made he made it sound like it was a two-bag maximum period, regardless of how it was divvied up. 
Uh, but that being said, I don't, says during June I don't really know the difference. going to start to charge uh, passengers 15 bucks to check a single piece of luggage. Wait, so now to check a single piece of luggage? Mm-hmm. To check? Uh, now, I, we'll have to actually get somebody to fi- help us figure all now, this out. As far as the carry-on goes, you don't have to check those. No. Right now, it's one carry-on plus one person lighting like a, a laptop. Do you realize we've gone from talking about gas uh, to talking about television theme songs, now talking about how much luggage you... This is the most relatable show we've ever done. Let me pull up a chair. So, because I'm going to be flying... Oh, see, now they're going to they're gonna screw me, and I, I, I'm just speaking of the airline industry in general, because I fly out on the 12th, but I come back on the 17th. So this gets instituted while I'm on vacation. So... Well, you're not going to check anything, are you? Well, I hadn't planned on it, but I mean, I don't. But I'm, I'm so unclear now about what you're paying for and what you're not. So is the deal? I guess maybe it varies from airline to airline, but it, but you're saying that it sounds like you can so carry it something like, it on. Like they're penalizing people. So it says not penalizing, Sarah. Penalizing. Uh, it's uh, they're freedomizing you. Okay. So you can carry. They're giving you more freedom. <laughs> okay. So it's saying here on a lot of airlines that most airlines are going to go to where you can have one carry on and then one personal item. Like a laptop or a purse. I see. So I could have like stuff. so I could have one carry on. Which is what I usually have anyway. One carry on and then like maybe like a small like a a small clutch of some kind. Yeah, they said like briefcase, laptop. All purse. right. Okay. But then as soon as you but then as soon as you but they're gonna kick you for twenty five dollars then for every piece of full on luggage beyond that. Yes. Mm. All right. Uh, Which isn't like the biggest deal, except that you know that that's just a harbinger. You know that it's not going to stop there. That's I was the just only problem. That I when they took away honey roasted peanuts. Do they do, do they not have honey no, roasted peanuts? No, any place I've been, never get peanuts anymore. You know I always get really, pretzels. Yeah, those icky mixed pretzels, and they're small, and they're like four in there, and I'm like, wow, this is really great. As long as they let me bring out my own bottle of water, that's all I care about. Let me bring out my little bottles of vodka. Um, if you're a polite, sometimes you can get two. All right. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, everybody. What's up? Uh, I'm calling because you mentioned snow on the television, and I, I know where that comes from, if you're interested. Let's take a quick poll. Are we interested, Tim? Where snow comes from? Yes, on television. On television, I suppose. If it's Sarah? Yeah, sure. Sure, why not? Go ahead. I'll get the short answer and the long answer. The short answer is it comes from the Big Bang. Um, it's part of the uh, electromagnetic spectrum. You know, it goes from yes. cosmic rays, gamma rays, X rays, all the way up through the visible spectrum. And then, of course, on the other end, you've got longer waves of uh, radio, um, both short wave and long wave radio. And actually, I've discovered the greatest thing ever. It's the Science Channel on uh, on the HD streams on cable. And uh, there was this guy in there by the name of Yao Mugajo, and he has uh, some controversial theories about the Big Bang. And he was talking about that is one of the proofs of Big Bang is that when you, you know, have a television that's not tuned to anything, you're getting all this radiation from the Big Bang that's basically showing up on your television. That's what the snow is. Well, all right then. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. All right. Uh, let's see. Now people are just sending us that really... Verbs, my noun, things. That really steams my bean. No. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So there's all kinds of things we haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> really? Yes. I wonder why that could possibly be. That's, we never actually got to the news. No. <laughs> what have we just been doing? What have we been... All right, ladies and because gentlemen. They go by letter and number. For instance, let's begin with A, the first one of the alphabet. One. Shall we? Number one. Let's start again, shall we? The ladies new news hour here's, regular Let's news. begin the new news hour. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now... This is really screwing with people who aren't listening very close, by the way. This is Tim Riley. And I'm as much to blame as anyone else, really. We're it's all you and your four. Thank you for taking that on yourself, Tim. I appreciate it. So let's begin with A1. It's 
All right. Uh, Florida yeah. Elementary School. T- yes. Can I just my final interruption before we begin? Oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> No, I just tend to give a review of Indiana Jones and then talk relentlessly for half. No, no, my final, my final thing. You know, you know what we should do someday. What? We should go through the entire day saying that it's one hour off from when it is. Like at the beginning of the show, we'll tell everybody Why who's listening. Why don't we do that today? Well, I can do that because the time was never updated on my computer. All right, let's all. Should we do it today or should we do it tomorrow? Let's do it tomorrow. Okay, let's do it tomorrow. So tomorrow at 11 a.m. Everybody who's listening will be in on the joke, but we're going to say it's one hour. What would be more traumatic? People thinking they've, that it's an hour ahead or an hour behind? Oh, behind. Behind. Cause yeah. Because okay. you're late. Because you're late. All right, so we'll advance. Tomorrow at we'll 11, start, so we at will 11, advance, we'll do... and we'll say it's 12. Well, then should we do the new news hour right at 11? <laughs> just really screw with people? Tim says no. Tim's facial expression says no. But we'll just, but we'll say. We'll say Tim's you know, still preparing news, so we won't. Yeah. Okay, so tomorrow at 11, we'll start saying it's 12. Well, it, would be, it, it would not be unusual for us not to begin the noontime news hour at noon. That's evidence just now, actually. So tomorrow, we're going to pretend it's an hour earlier or an hour ahead the whole day. All right, here's Tim Riley. I like that idea. <laughs> a Florida elementary school teacher has been removed from her classroom after holding an unorthodox election. Where was she, Tim? Florida. Um, bum, bum. Port St. Lucie. Uh, they say Wendy Petrillo told her students to tell a five-year-old boy they didn't like him and proceeded to hold a vote on whether or not he should stay in the classroom. By a vote of 14 to 2, the boy was voted out. Oh. <laughs> well, they, well, clearly uh, they didn't like him. Janice Cast of the St. Lucie Public School Department says a Petrillo has been transferred. The teacher was immediately removed from the classroom and was reassigned to the central office while an investigation does ensue. So no word yet on whether or not the boy will be voted back in. But I mean, did they? Well, but I want to know. I mean, did they explain why the why he was so disliked by the other students? I mean, fourteen to two is a pretty sizable. That's a mandate, Tim. That's what I would say. So they didn't say exactly what he had done. They've given no indications. Maybe he was. I mean, I'm not saying this is the case, but maybe he was like that kid that we all went to school with who peed himself a lot. I'm not saying he did. I have no evidence that he did. A kid named Justin peed himself quite a bit when I was younger. I went to school with a kid named Rob peed himself, and then would occasionally number two right there in class. Ooh. That's what I'm saying. If let's we could follow up and find out whatever became of, <laughs> let's let's go to his uh, place of work and ask if he's number two himself lately. Does he have a MySpace? <laughs> hey Rob, where are your rubber pants? Yeah, <laughs> uh, if we could have voted that kid out, I mean, we would we would have done that like have the you first ever day of school. Somebody that was really mean to you in uh, in high school or anything on the MySpace, and you see that their life has not turned out the way they planned. Yes. Yes, I have. Me too. Here's Tim Riley. Including some former program directors. Not from this area. Meanwhile, former Bush <laughs> Press Secretary Scott McClellan rips the administration in his new book. That's due out next week. Politico.com uh, quotes McClellan as writing that President Bush, quote, was not open and forthright on Iraq, unquote. And that his presidency, quote, veered terribly off course, unquote. Uh, former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer says he's confused, as the book does not sound like uh, this fellow at all. It's so heartbreaking, because I think everybody who worked at the White House knows Scott, especially the president, is going to be perplexed by this. And I'm just scratching my head about this book. Wait, is that Ari Fleischer? Yeah. It, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, as we were talking to Lisa Desjardins about this, they must have just screwed him somehow. I mean, this is because you think Ari Fleischer left and he's been very uh, polite and very careful about what he says. I think he signed something to keep him quiet. Ari Fleischer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Scott McClellan, now, was he the one before Dana Perino? Yes. Okay, so he was the second. Oh, no, there was Tony Snow before Dana Perino. I forgot about, 
There have been a whole bunch of these. Wait, 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 wait. So is Ari Fleischer the first one? Yes. Ari Fleischer, then Tony Snow. No, Scott McClellan, then Tony Snow. And then Tony Snow got the cancer. Yes. And now it's Dana Perino. <laughs> Dana Perino. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little thing there. I guess I... Yeah. Uh, so Tony Snow and then Dana Perino. Um, and so the only person I can think of who did something like this, as I said earlier, was George Stephanopoulos, because everybody else sort of knows to hush up about it, to follow Omerta. So, uh, well, I, I mean, it's done the job. I'll buy it. So uh, Fleischer says he talked to Scott about the book yesterday. Scott told me that he wrote it himself, but at the very end, his editor tweaked some things closely in the last few months. And there are just parts of here that just do not sound like Scott McClellan. So it's got his name on it, and he said the chips will fall wherever they may. I'll just say it, Tim. That, uh, that really punches my munchkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can't fathom McClellan like remaining silent on any issue he disagreed with. On principle and on policy, this doesn't make any sense to me because if it did, I think Scott would have expressed it privately and repeatedly. That if Scott thought that this was propaganda, he would have come to me and said, why are we saying these things? We should not say these things. He never came to Ari Fleischer to express any misgivings. Something flipped inside Scott later. He continued to say these things after he left, and that's why it doesn't make sense to me how somebody can support a war, say what he said about the war, make the case for the war, why he was press secretary, after he was press secretary, and so dramatically change tunes now. Now, I would Perhaps say, it has to do with paying a mortgage or was, car payments or was, alimony or kids in private schools. I was just going to say, maybe it's because the White House is no longer cutting in checks. I think that I think that might be what happens when they stop paying you, Ari. So, uh, yeah, we are going to make a living, friend. So, And plus, would you say, would you agree that part of it is that there was a time up until a few years ago when people were terrified of Karl Rove? And the idea was that if you crossed the White House, you would somehow end up at, like in a bag at the bottom of the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the time has come where the, the Bush administration has just been, regardless of one's partisanship, has become just so weakened that nobody li- – I mean, who do you know that lives in fear of the Bush administration? Who do you know that's even really afraid of Dick Cheney at this point? And he's evil. I, would, I think that to me, Karl Rove is sort of the political Suge Knight in that there was a time when everybody just walked on eggshells afraid that that guy would just have you whacked. Uh, and now, I mean, the last time I saw Suge Knight, he was on TMZ being punched in the face by being being knocked unconscious by some guy at a nightclub. Uh, he just seems to have shrunk in stature, and nobody really lives in fear of him anymore. That's how it is with Karl Rove. Because uh, Karl Rove, is, isn't he just a Fox commentator now? I believe so. I think he's a commentator on Fox, and Bush has got an approval rating of, like, one. So I, I just I don't think, as Hunter Thompson would say, uh, their enemies are no longer afraid. Houston, there is a problem. You see, they got a broken toilet aboard the International Space Station. Uh, the vacuum pump has been put aboard the Space Shuttle Discovery to be launched this weekend. That's a millions of dollars to ship a toilet part into outer space. Uh, payload manager Scott Higginbottom says that means some items have to come up. Clearly, <laughs> having a working toilet is a is a priority for us. So, uh, so some of these things that we didn't need um, for the next six months or so could wait until the next shuttle mission. Who wants to ask? I'll ask. No. Why can't you just whiz into space? Oh, because it'll come back and hit you in the face. Well, and my... I don't mean like I don't mean going and standing outside. Well, Tackle out. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like they're wearing full-on space suits. Just crack a window and like... hold on. No, no, no. Hold on a second. No, slow down for a second. This thing is suction. <laughs> no, hold on. Can you uh, wait? Can you? Can you? No. Can you? Uh, yeah, just grab the back of my belt for a second. No, hold on. I gotta, I'll steady myself against the window. Wait, no, no. No, I gotta wait till this breeze dies down. No, wait, no, no, no. Okay, there I'm done. 
No, I don't mean that. I'm saying... That was so bad. <laughs> it, it made the whole system crash. I guess my, my question is not... Why can't you just, as Sarah puts it, crack a window? It sounded like it. Pee in space. I think pee in space. I think my my question is more along the lines of there's like 500 billion pieces of space junk already floating around up there, and everything just crashes into the sun eventually. Why can't you just go in a bag and out it goes? I mean, I don't mean to be just... Are we paying like $3 million to send a toilet piece into space? First of all, did it never occur to anybody that It this... is a Russian toilet piece, Well, not I... good old American. Then we should have anticipated this breakdown, I would think. Look, if you were packing, I think as our airline discussion uh, indicated, I mean, Sarah, for example, just packing for maybe a light vacation takes two bags with her. Why? You never know when you're going to run out of something. I mean, you know, you have a pair of shoes. Is that the only pair of shoes you take? No, you take two pairs of shoes. Why? Sometimes the other pair of shoes doesn't work. If you're going onto a space station, don't you think you might take a backup plan for whizzing? So rather than spending $3 million to send, like, a plunger after this, I mean, it just sounds retarded. Can't you just go in a bag and just kick it out the door into space? That's what I would do. Screw space. It's huge. I mean, it is It is. It is quite literally, it's, it's of universal size. Rick? Screw space. Uh, I mean, there's plutonium in, in space. The, the, the Russian toilet part is getting VIP treatment. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. What? <laughs> it's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. This is an international incident. Is coming in a diplomatic pouch code for something? <laughs> well, this is a Russian-made toilet. What's it coming in? <laughs> what? What? It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. <laughs> okay, what is that called, please? What is the name of that called? RDD 124 SH 1.WAV. Would these file names make any less sense? No. Jesus. That's just my job to make sense of Completely absurd. All right. And if you see a crack somewhere, take a hawk with you and try to seal that, seal that crack up. All right. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. <laughs> That's from the. That's that's from NASA. They sent us that. Oh Jesus God Almighty! Aren't you glad we started the news hour? Here's Tim Riley. This is from NASA. <laughs> well, they had a little problem down McKinley, Texas. It seems like they uh, they changed all their parking signs to Spanish, and white people who don't speak Spanish are breaking the law because they don't know they're not allowed to do certain things. Well, the sheriff there says, well, the Spanish-speaking day laborers know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. People now speak both languages, and they're, you know, some only speak one, so it kind of helps out. Okay. What? Well, it's Texas. Okay. I'm people not, not going to worry about it anymore. You know, some only speak one, <clears throat> so it kind of helps out. Okay. Well, there it's you go. It's coming in a diplomatic pouch. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. I got it over here, too. Right. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. Saved forever. Oh, Thank wow. you, Tim. Well, let's talk about uh, something of interest to the ladies, shall we? Woo. The Sex in the City movie. I can talk about it because I didn't see it. Uh, Sarica Jessica Parker says, The movie was completed against all odds. This movie has died a hundred deaths. You know, it has been in many homes, many different people financing it. We had practically no prep, no post-production. You know, it's been standard operating procedure for us to, you know, function in complete chaos and... Endless questions and mysteries, but 
here we are. But I mean, there was, I, I don't think that's really surprising, right? I mean, there was, there, I don't think there was ever any doubt that the movie would be made. It was just too much, too big of a fan base, and there's just too much money at stake for the movie not to have happened. I just can't believe that they put it together so well. I mean, because some of the scenes that I saw them filming in New York last September, you know, were the, that, there were like huge parts in the opening scenes of the movie, so I can't see how they would, you know, do the entire thing in such a small period of time. Oh, I have to say, and I only ask, now, are, were you dreading, uh, were you fearing the worst? Were you fearing the movie wouldn't be any yes, good? I absolutely thought that, especially, you know, if you're seeing someone acting in person and then, you know, you see it on the screen, it's totally different, but you don't realize it at the time because it looked so over the top. Right. And kooky when I saw them all, you know, walking down the street for one of the scenes and, you know, seeing other stuff happening. Um, but no, it, it, it was very, very good. Excellent. By the way, uh, we were wondering earlier if when I accidentally played that big band music at top volume and deafened everybody on the show, if that was also deafening people on the stream. The answer is yes, Rick. The comedic part of all this was about five seconds before you played that really, really, really loud clip, I got irritated by some background noise here at work, and so I turned the dial up as loud as it would go. And as my finger slipped and cranked it up too far, the next thing I remember was feeling a brass band resounding echoing through my head a split second before I lost all hearing. So there you go. So, yes, people listening in the stream were deafened along with you all. Here's Tim Riley. So let's talk about the, to, uh, some of the ladies on the street. Uh, Whitney traveled from Los Angeles for the event, and she was full of anticipation. I've really been avoiding the press because I don't want to know. I don't want to ruin the surprise. Every episode is sort of like that for me, too. When it was out on HBO, I would just not even want to know what the preview for the next week was going to be. I like the build-up. Uh, Harriet Skivis of Queens. Skivis. <laughs> She's expecting sex in the city to have it all. I think it's going to be fun and a little of everything, you know, some sadness, happy times, and I hope that <laughs> sounds really smart. These are your people, Sarah. I know. Will you stop it? No, no, no. It's just that kind of girl that makes Steve Cast and Mom think less of me because I like sex in you the city. You know what they are, Sarah? Those are your sisters right there. I dislike you Sisters so much. in arms. Dean Leland, a Canadian man. Oh. Said he couldn't wait to travel to the U.S. to see the film. I think it's just an institution in pop culture, and uh, what better way to see it than here in New York? I wonder if Mrs. Leland will be there. Great. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope the rain holds off. Uh, Christine Wisinger. <laughs> Then she made sure she get dressed up well to attend the Lena's with her. Obviously, they dress up in the movie, so I wanted to depict and look similar to the way the Obviously. girls in the movie dress. And um, I just really look up to them. They're great aspirations, like something that I want to actually portray in my own life. Shannon Meldrum of Detroit says she and her friend were lucky enough to win tickets to the Sex in the City premiere. We entered a contest in Michigan and won, and so they flew us out and we're staying there for two nights and three days and then for the premiere. Can I just say this? The more I hear women like this, the more I love Sarah. <laughs> really, honestly. I mean, just think that, I mean, one of those women could be working on this show in some alternate hell universe. In some alternate awful dimension, we could be stuck in a room with one of those women for four hours every day. I just don't understand those women. And I was surrounded by those women yesterday. And, like, uh, Kiki and I went together. And so we're sitting there, you know, so excited. But um, they're, like, the rudest girls sitting next to us yeah. wearing, like, you know, they're, like, stick thin, totally... Uh, super tan highlights, like giggling to each other, and I'm. Do so they all look like uh, slightly older variations on that Spitzer whore girl? They exactly. Ashley did. Dupree, yeah. And they were just also terrible and like giggly and like rude, and I'm just like I don't even I don't understand what goes on in head girl like whatever the heads of girls like that. Yeah, I. Uh, so no, it's. That. It's, you know, I, it was just depressing. And then, like, the people who were hosting it, too, were just like, everyone blow us air kisses. Oh, who's care? I'm like, oh, you just need to stop talking. Would you say that this is, uh, though, a once, I don't say once in a lifetime, but would you say this is, this is the only 
the only movie bonding moment of its type that you can remember for women. I mean, women have never had a movie like this, right? That like a you know because as I said you know, the other day that we were this is sort of like guy standing in line for Star Wars or Star Trek or a Kevin Smith film or something. But there's never really been a thing like this for women before. Yeah, because these are like superheroes for women. You know, like all the you know all the Sex and the City right. people. Because we you know they're like there's beaches and you know all like all those kind of things. But this is a different thing where there are these specific idols for women and they're like I want to go and see you know what they're wearing, who they're dating. You should totally about. write an article. This would endear you to nerds everywhere even more. You should write an article about uh, the Sex and the City women and what superhero they would be, or if they were superheroes, what would their powers That's be? That's a great. Oh, and what the cool thing about the movie too beforehand is for the half an hour before the movie started, they actually had a live feed from New York of the pink carpet. Right. And so you get to see all the people like walking up and getting interviewed and seeing all their dresses and like all the celebrities and stuff. You know what this is like? Here's it just came to me. This is like when Spam a Lot opened on Broadway, uh, what two years ago or whatever. And they were just, and they were astounded. All the Broadway producers were astounded by the number of dudes that came to see Spamalot, mm-hmm. which of course doesn't surprise anybody who knows anything about Monty Python or the guys who are into Monty Python or sort of that slice of the culture. They were, we can't believe we're getting guys to see a Broadway play. It's astonishing. And that's when they started rolling out plans to do all of these other sort of guy-themed Broadway shows. Uh, because it was the first time they'd ever found a Broadway musical that guys would go see, and now they're just going to strip mine that until there's nothing left. That's what this is. They have finally found like a they have finally found like a clerk's movie for girls, and it's this, it's mm. this right here. So I predict, I mean, within the next five years, you'll see three more movie events like this, oh. uh, where they will take something and they will they will just wring everything they can out of it to try to get women to stand in line. They're going to try to recreate this event over and over and it over was again. Not it was nuts the amount of females that were there, but I had I did know some guys who were there too, and they enjoyed the movie as well. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile. Florida police say marijuana and alcohol were present when a young couple crashed naked into a utility pole. The 18-year-old woman was charged with possession of marijuana and driving under the influence after piling her car into a road sign in another pole just north of Fort Pierce, Florida. That was me. That was all me right there. The woman and her fellow naked passenger, a male, weren't charged but are re- did require a trip to the hospital for treatment of minor injury. The police report on the incident said that the pair had sex shortly before the crash. <laughs> Does that mean parenthood style shortly before the crash? <laughs> How did this happen, honey? You show him. Well, the car is halfway up a pole. Well, <laughs> sounds like the car That's wasn't the, the car wasn't the only thing halfway up a pole, oh, Tim. Talk God. about sex in the city. Sounds like the car wasn't the only thing halfway up a pole, Tim. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, sir, I just wondered if you caught up in anything about the uh, woman from Singapore who went on a... Oh, uh, did they cover that woman who paid 20 grand for the trip to Sex and the City and then regretted it? No, no. Did buyer's remorse? Anything. You tell her about it, Rick. What? You tell her about it. Okay. No, I, I'll, we'll tell her all about it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You know who was hosting the pink carpet thing was the man-woman. The big puffy-faced man woman. Oh, Steve Kaja. Yeah. Kaja Garu. So, so ridiculous. He looks, was just like over the top. You know what? I figured out what he looks like. He looks like who? Uh, oh, Jesus. I can't remember. He looks like Diane Keaton meets Paul Williams. Is that the guy's name? Tim? 70s movie actor. Short guy. Blonde. Yeah, they got to me in the neck. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, him. Exactly. Yeah. It, that Stephen Kajigaro guy looks like Paul Williams crossed with Diane uh, Keaton. It's exactly what he looks like. I'm serious. Next time you look at him, because Diane Keaton is always wearing those weird pantsuit things, 
Uh, you look at him and, and blend him with Paul, blend her with Paul Williams. That's exactly uh, what the outcome would be. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Uh, I wanted to explain to you why that kid in Florida. In where? Uh, in Florida. Oh, you, you couldn't even get out of the gates. You weren't even off the blocks there. You know what? Whatever. Uh huh. Why yeah. the kid? What? Where? Uh, in Florida. Oh, that was. A, you can't. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Yes. What about him, uh, sir? Uh, anyway, uh, I sent an email about an email to you got you and Kim about this this morning. Um, uh, basically, he had the student had Asperger's syndrome, which is kind of like ADD. Yeah. And um, I sent you the email on the news story because I thought it was amusing what they considered symptoms, which was humming in class and eating his homework. Are you kidding me? He ate his homework. Yeah. It's why would you vote a homework. kid? Why would you vote that kid out of the class? That's free entertainment. Yeah. Um, All right. Now I got. Now I got to look it up. All right. Uh, it's uh, the topic was Florida Watch. Florida Watch. Um, Florida Watch. All right. I'll find it. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll look into it. Uh, you and, sent that um, to me this morning. Yeah. Around uh, seven a.m. Yeah. Thirty a.m. All right. I'll try to find it. Thank you. Um. And to settle the whole Florida thing between you and Sarah, why don't you just add point Sarah, point Rick at the end of the the sounder? Hey. That's a genius idea. That's a really good idea. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. This call was worth its uh, worth its weight in gold for that alone. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right. Let's uh, do a couple more. We'll take a break. Get more coffee. Yes. Eight Lions, Saskatchewan. A French skydiver's latest attempt to set a new freefall record ended when his ride to the sky leapt without him. A helium balloon, Michel Fournier, was going to uh, use to soar into the stratosphere, detached from the capsule he was going to use to jump from 130,000 feet. It happened after the balloon was inflated on the ground at the airport near Saskatchewan. The balloon simply drifted away without the capsule. A disappointed Fournier left the capsule and walked to the hangar. He was hung by members and supporters. <laughs> For what? <laughs> well the done. Balloon, the balloon cost more than four hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and he has now exhausted his finances. <laughs> but next time he'll bring two balloons. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about with those guys who can't whiz on the space station. You bring two. You bring two balloons. That's how that works. All right, Sarah, do you have to go make coffee? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Back after this. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Tim, did I give you this? After we said what I was going to say that. Did I give you this thing about a chocolate penis? I think I remember that. Probably. All right. The answer is no. Some... <laughs> I'll give you... I'm sorry. I have some unsorted news that I'll get to over here. Um, we, uh, Richie, if you want to obtain Mr. Skin, which sounds really perverse. I'm sorry I won't be back for a few minutes. I'm busy obtaining Mr. Skin. Uh, we will talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. More news from Tim Riley. Do you anybody see this thing on Craigslist about us? Uh, and it's not... Usually Craigslist postings about us either fall into the he rules or he sucks category. This one's different. This is in that... The whatever it is the I missed you or whatever they have what is missed 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 connections you know where it's like you green jacket Starbucks cup buying okay, back like I saw you thing exactly um, this is from the uh, let's see this is from a woman to a man Rick Emerson roast a uh, woman looking for man 
V the Virgo searching for V the Virgo. You amused me at the Rick Emerson roast when we borrowed half of your table. Lola's room has never been so much fun. Are you as funny sober? Just one of those things you don't really think that you don't really think that things like this. I mean, you sort of read those all the time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like in the I saw you or whatever, and you always kind of feel sad for the person because you know that you know that they'll never find out exactly who it was. But I wanted to read this one on the air because unlike almost all of those. I mean, they just, it's amazing that somebody hasn't made a movie, actually, somehow based, like some sort of John Cusack chick flick romantic comedy, based upon somebody placing one of those, I missed you, at, or, you know, you know, you were blonde in red car next to me, we, you know, shook our fist to Dio, and then roared off in opposite directions, you know, find me, because it never happens. But I wanted to read this one because the odds are that whoever they were talking to, they were both the Rick Emerson roast, and the, the, the guy, the, whoever it is, the man might be listening, so... Sort of an odd thing. Anyway, you amuse me at the Rick Emerson roast. Are you as funny sober? So, so there you go. If that is, if you're the guy, and don't don't just go to go go and respond to the ad being a jackass and claiming to be the guy. But if you are that guy, uh, you should check the Craigslist thing. There's a thing there for you. All right. In just a moment, we'll continue with the news and Tim Riley. This, however, is Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Base, base. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Rick. How's it going? What is up, brother? What's going on in your life? Well, the, uh, a big movie hitting theaters this weekend is Sex in the City, the movie version of the very popular HBO show. And uh, I guess it's probably more of a chick flick than a guy flick, but there, there actually is nudity. And what's interesting in this movie version, and remember when it aired on HBO all those times, the, the girl that got naked the most was always Kim Cattrall. She mm-hmm. would pretty much be naked every episode. Sarah Jessica Parker never got naked. Um, what's interesting about the movie is Sarah Jessica Parker does not get naked, though she is in her underwear. Though Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon get nude, Kim Cattrall does not. So it's kind of a twist there. I was surprised. Maybe it's because Kim Cattrall's so old now. I don't know. Did she, or she figured that she doesn't, she doesn't want to be known as the girl who just takes off her pants or whatever in every film, so she's decided yeah. to move on. Yeah. Not sure, but it was interesting. But uh, there is some nudity. Plus, there's some other girls naked. But uh, a brief, it, I should say, it's brief nudity from Cynthia Nixon uh, and Kristen Davis, but uh, nothing from Kim Cattrall. The movie opens in the- theaters on Friday, and uh, they, they did a sneak preview last night. Now. There's a DVD out called, uh, new, uh, new on DVD called The Take with Latin Spitfire Rosie Perez and, uh, she actually takes her clothes off about 59 minutes in. Uh, she shows, uh, La, La Boobies and La Butta in this. So The Take is a new DVD, Rosie Perez Naked. Uh, we, we remember her from, uh, White Men Can't Jump where she was also nude in this. And, uh, Rosie, uh do, do the right thing also. Am I right do about that? Do the right that? thing. Yeah. You're, you're correct. Uh, and also, there's a show uh, on DVD. They're releasing Absolutely Fabulous, which uh, is a TV show that aired uh, a few years back. Uh, the complete uh, Absolutely Everything is what they're calling it. Absolutely Fabulous, Absolutely uh, Everything. It starred uh, a, a British actress named Joanna Lumley, and uh, she's not nude in Absolutely Fabulous, but if you want to see her uh, naked, uh, there's a movie called Games Lovers Play, and uh, Joanna Lumley has five different topless scenes in that. So in honor of the big Absolutely Fabulous uh, DVD release, a little Joanna uh, Lumley update. But really the big news is Sex in the City, and uh, I wasn't expecting Sarah Jessica Parker naked, but uh, I'll take Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon. Excellent. All right, my friend, as always, a pleasure. We will uh, talk with you next week, sir. All right, Rick. There you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rosie Perez. Well, there's a name I haven't thought about in a long time. Is anybody really... I don't want to correct him, but... Is anybody clamoring to see Rosie Perez naked? I'm sorry. I don't want to... No, I don't want to correct him, but Samantha is... Uh, the character, Kim Patrol's character, is naked. Really? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, there's like a montage at the beginning of the show, and it shows her in uh, having sexual relations with many people. So I wonder if that's a thing where he hasn't seen anybody sort of like like reports yeah, of it I mean, or whatever. Definitely during the movie, she does. You don't see her, but you see a lot of other people. Um, um, speaking of a lot of other people, by the way, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, you've got the, you've got your big box of porn, and so along with the big box of porn, Tabu also dropped off a copy of that Jimi Hendrix sex DVD. Oh my goodness! It says, uh, let's see here, the film you never thought you'd see. Uh, blah 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 blah. Jimi Hendrix. Um, uh, let's see. Listen to this. I'm reading the description now from the back of the DVD. This is this, uh, and the Hendrix estate has claimed it's not him, but Vivid Video says full on, like Jimi Hendrix having sex on film. In 2007, a collector of rock memorabilia bought a carton of vintage records, posters, concert ephemera, and old film reels at auction in Europe. When he got home, he examined the contents and saw an eight millimeter film simply titled Black Man. He borrowed a projector. Hello, I'm Black Man. Uh, he borrowed a projector and discovered the unbelievable truth. The man was Jimi Hendrix. Um, a group of Hendrix esper- experts, experts and historians directed Vivid to two girls who knew the artist intimately. Cynthia Plastercaster, who personally um, made a cast of his member, uh, along with Pamela DeBar, the world-famous super groupie. Uh, no doubt about it, says Cynthia, that's his blank, and I ought to know. So I'll be watching this tonight. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, it looks like Portland is becoming known as one of the world's greatest bike theft capitals. The kryptonite lock company lists Portland among the top five cities in the country for bike theft. Uh, apparently, uh, I guess U-locks work better than cable locks, and it's important to always write down the serial numbers and keep them in a secure place in case your uh, bike is stolen. No one does that. Uh, apparently, the police bureau's property division possesses 1,200 bicycles. And every serial number is entered into a state database just to track you even more. So every bicycle they get, they check the serial numbers against the database. If it's stolen, they know who reported it stolen and how to contact them to get their bike back. This is complicated. Not that much. What am I, what am I supposed to do? Well, enter your... Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> done and done, Tim. Well, after I has just announced they reached a tentative agreement deal with the big Hollywood studios, the Actors Union reportedly burned the midnight oil last night of the latest round of talks that came up with a deal both sides could live with. So far, no details on the tentative contract have been released. Union members would have to ratify the terms of the deal if it's to go into effect. After uh, represents uh, radio and TV personalities and other broadcast employees. Looks like I have a penis watch. Here's a penis watch for you for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. This comes to us from Sweden. A 28-year-old man is heading to court after being able to control a strange urge that overcame him while visiting a condom shop in Gothenburg with his fiancée last November. As he was strolling through the store, the man became so enamored with a chocolate penis and a Playboy bunny that he decided to stuff both in his pocket and exit the store without paying. I lost my head. I even had money with me. I don't know why I took the steps, said the 28-year-old. Uh, the man and John have uh, given the items to his fiancée as a gift until he was caught with a chocolate penis protruding from his back pocket. <laughs> During questioning, the man admitted to taking the, uh, what's termed here as a dildo delicacy. But eventually <laughs> That's denied, a journalistic term. But denied snatching the uh, bunny. Had the man come clean and pled guilty to stealing both items, 
which have a combined value of $25. <laughs> he could have resolved the matter by simply paying a fine and still. The lie landed him in court. Mama and he once again had to explain why he attempted to pilfer a chocolate penis. What happened to my chocolate penis? All right, there you go. There's your uh, penis watch Take for a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. That really chocolates my penis, Tim. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it is paper somewhere in Asia. Talks about this <laughs> delivery man who has been arrested for urinating on a woman's underwear that a woman had set out to dry. Uh, Mizunari Yamada, a newspaper delivery man in Suzuka, was arrested for will willful destruction of property. He admits to the allegations. Yes, I did it for my own satisfaction. Uh, adding that he did not know a 51-year-old woman had just hung out her uh, undergarments. Police said Yamada took down the laundry hanging out to dry while he was on his rounds and then urinated on it. Uh -huh. There have been four instances the previous week in which the laundry at the home appeared to be mysteriously damp. So the woman and her family became suspicious. They watched their home from a car parked nearby and caught him in the act. Another story from Asia, you ask. Yes, this is from Mubashi. A man uh, suspected of squirting soy sauce over a high school girl using a water pistol to blow off steam has been arrested. The 22-year-old man, Yunichi Ugawa, was arrested on suspicion of assault. He was uh, reportedly admitting to the allegations, telling police he did it to relieve his stress. Uh, police said that several high school girls in Mishubashi have been attacked in similar incidences this month, and police are investigating the possible connection. Investigators accuse Ogawa of getting on his motorcycle and approaching a 17-year-old high school girl, cycling along a city street at 5 o'clock and squirting soy sauce on her backside as he passed her. The girl was traveling home with a friend at the time, and the back of her uniform was left covered in soy sauce. All right. You know, the really disturbing thing about that is the knowledge that as you read that story, there's somebody with a really peculiar fetish out of the audience who's becoming noticeably aroused. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, just thought you might want to know your, your, your squeal is back over there. Squeal? I don't hear yeah, What are you talking about? Your high-pitched whine. I don't think we ever complained. I think that might just be my voice that you're hearing, sir. I don't think no, we can... No, no, no. Seriously, it's, it's, it's loud and annoying. It sounds like you're on shortwave. Wait, hold on. Well, first of all, I don't think we would... Let's back up a second. They may be testing the equipment up on the mountain. Is that true, or are you bluffing? No, that's what uh, Engineer Matt told us yesterday. Are they? But I wonder if they're doing that again today. They might be. So, because yesterday we were complaining about a loud electronic hum that was, uh, was sort of very pervasive in the studio... And then there was an issue of RF, which is sort of, you know, we were getting like a, a like another radio frequency that was in the right channel. Now you're saying it's not either of those things. You're saying it is, in fact, a squeal. It's a squeal. Let's all be quiet and see if we hear the squeal. No. No, there's no squeals. They're fine-tuning no. the squeal. No. Well, you can't hear I can't hear it when I'm on hold, but I can hear it over the, over the air. So if you're listening on the radio, you say there is a high-pitched squeal accompanying the feed of this radio station. Yes. Turn oh. the radio around a little bit. <laughs> Stand on one leg. <laughs> That's right. the way it used to work. Uh, that is true. Have you tried adjusting your the actual position of your radio, sir? Uh, it's impossible. It's in a car. Is Turn this... your car around. <laughs> Put your car into a ditch. Um, <laughs> is there? Uh, I was I was about to ask my other follow up standard. Did you ever get these questions when you were a DJ too, where guys would call them and they go, "Well, I got this whole problem. There's some sort of a kind of a humming, whining noise kind of coming through," and then you would have to walk them through like, "Is somebody operating a microwave?" 
is somebody standing outside running a leaf blower. There used to be a whole litany of things that would screw with the signal of your of like especially an AM radio station. I used to work at Max a, does. I know I, that. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, that's true. I guess if your car is if you're driving downtown and you are parallel to the Max tracks and when they kick the the train on, it will screw up your AM radio reception. I used to oh, work. Yeah. I used to work with a sister station. It was a 50,000-watt clear channel FM, uh, clear channel, the technical term, not not the actual company, uh, radio station that was actually so – this is, these things always sound like urban legends, but it was actually true. It, the signal was actually so strong that it would come out of, like, people's doorbells, uh, and then people would have, like, a toaster, and it would start playing, you know, like, bucko and sunks. All right, well, we'll look into it, sir. Thank you. Okay. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, that happened to me when I used to live in the North Hollywood with towers of a big 50,000 watt. It was in everything. And all the kids had five heads, and the yeah. <laughs> the radio station would always claim that there was no... We don't, there's no connection at all between the kids living underneath these broadcast towers. And the kids that come out of the womb with, like, a hand sticking out of their nose. Anybody remember Trey Arrow? Yes, I do. He crapped in a box, Tim. Yes, he did. And he plans to plead guilty to arson and conspiracy charges. He says on his website... He has his own website. He doesn't want to risk life in prison... He called the uh, plea deal an offer he couldn't refuse and said it takes into account time he spent in prison in Canada, which is our soft prison as compared to Americans. And he's awaiting extradition to the U.S. Of course, we want him back, don't we? He didn't say what sentence he expected. He became a fugitive after he was indicted in 2002. He's been in custody in Canada since 2004. Wow, he's a great arrow. Well, it's, it's indicative of how little we care about him that nobody even noticed he was gone. Yeah, remember he stole some wire cutters or something and was trying to cut some fence in Canada. Oh, they don't, that's they right. They don't take kindly to Americans causing trouble. No, they do not. He is charged with firebombing three cement trucks at Ross Island Sandy Gravel and setting fire to logging trucks in a tractor near Estacado. Oh, seriously, what yeah. What a yeah. life he made. <laughs> Please. wonder what Mr. and Mrs. Arrow think about this. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Yeah, the guy at the squeaking radio might have a bad alternator or an alternator that's going bad. I'm in my car. My radio doesn't squeal. So. I, see, I think we were all too polite to tell that guy that the squeal was all on his end. I think uh, the squeal may, in fact, just be in his head. <clears throat> I have no tact whatsoever, so I will tell him that. Excellent. Say oh, it I just did. Say, all right. Thank you. All right. So in, your, in that guy's experience, it's an alternator then that gives you that problem. All right. It's a, there's all the, the things that I just the things that I don't understand such as the relationship between your alternator and your radio. So I'm just going to trust that guy. Here's another thing I don't understand. Do you have foods that give you the hiccups? Yes. See, and Sarah's giving me Plus the look. My eyebrows makes me sneeze. What? Yeah. No, say it again. What? Plucking my eyebrows makes me sneeze. Really? Is that true? It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Every time, it makes me sneeze. So when you're like with tweezers. Mm-hmm. So if you just so if you were to. I almost want to make you do it. Do you have tweezers? No, not every time. No, I don't think I have. Them. You're not going to pull out Sarah's eyebrows. Yeah, you. No, no, no. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to ask you to do it. Yes, come over here so I can pluck out the hair on your face. Um, let me come over. Like that. That sounds. <laughs> uh, Sarah, next I'll be covering you in soy sauce. All right. Um, so you were saying, and then it's actually coming in a diplomatic path. Uh, so if you pluck your eyebrows. Now, is it is it just once? Like when you start plucking your eyebrows, do you sneeze once and then that's it, or? For every time you pluck out a hair, do you sneeze? No, not every time, but I mean, I will over the course of like fucking my real sneeze a, a few times. Weird. All right. It is weird. So, Tim, so see, now this is one of those things that I thought was just me. Now, are there, is there a food you eat that makes you hiccup? Thai food every time. See, and I don't understand. And I love Thai food. You know, more than life itself. And for, for me, it's um, it's bread, uh, but like not toasted bread. But if it's sort of you know just just regular bread, like right out of a loaf of bread or like a roll. If I eat uh, like a like a salad roll or whatever you got, like a roll that comes with dinner, like and you you know like you go to some Italian place and they bring you out uh, bread, I will eat the bread and immediately I begin to hiccup. 
It was just, and, it, and it's one of those things that I, I try not to think about it too much because it just so immediately outstrips all of my understanding of you, uh, how the human body works. I just have no explanation for it. My mom had one, too. When we were growing up, my mom would eat, like, if we would have, like, my, like my mom would make cheeseburgers or something for dinner. And if at any point, it's the weirdest thing, if at any point her hamburger reached room temperature, in other words, if she took a long time to eat it or something, and then it sort of cooled down, if she took another bite of it once it had cooled down, it immediately gave her the hiccups. Not if it was heated, but if she ate any kind of hamburger that had cooled to room temperature, she would take a bite of it and immediately start hiccuping, which is one of those things that freaks you out just a little bit because because clearly it's not all in your head. Like, there's some actual cause of that, but it's just so unbelievably weird and obscure that you can't really figure it out. So that's the sort of, you can't dwell on that because it just freaks you out about how strangely your body is wired together. All right, I'm glad I'm, glad I'm not the only one. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, this comes out somewhere in the Midwest called Galesburg. An 84-year-old man told police he was physically assaulted outside the Dollar General store. <laughs> the victim said he was in front of uh, Michael Farquhar, who was homeless, in line at the store. He had pl- paid for his items and was leaving the store on foot when he felt something strange... Strike him in the back. The victim said he turned and found Farquaad striking him with an item um, that is uh, from the dollar store. He returned to the store and asked the cashier to call police, and Farquaad followed him. Farquaad then stood to the side, raising and shaking a bag while chanting, Hiya! The clerk inside the store told police Farquaad seemed agitated when she waited on him, and he threw a dollar at her and followed the victim outside the store. I don't understand anything He's in the story. He still owes the store five cents. This story, <laughs> this story I'm reading his ass. It's completely written. perplexing to me. So Farquhar told police he didn't remember attacking the victim, but he spent time in jail for a similar incident a few years ago. <laughs> police determined the item is inside the bag for a dollar <laughs> or a box of moon pies. Who attacked somebody with a box of moon pies? The shattered box was taken as evidence. Farquaad was arrested for a battery and is being held in the Knox County Jail. <laughs> okay. This news is brought to you by the Midwest Bank of <laughs> West Illinois, investing in you. Okay, fair enough. All right, we should take a Somebody break has here. <laughs> Somebody, hey, uh, John, what are you doing right now? Grocery ads. All right, uh, we've got this. We've got this moon pie assault. Well, that's like the guy that had to write that police log about somebody reporting a baby in the trash, but upon closer inspection, it turned out to only be a burrito. I mean, <laughs> imagine that this is your journalistic life. What are you working over there? Moon pie assault. No, no, no. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. That's about the the peacock scratching over the weekend. (laughs) It was the main story. I'm telling you, somebody's sitting on Watergate out there over this moon pie thing, and I'm going to figure out who. All right. We come back in the next hour. More from Tim Riley. Uh, We'll do more bumper music labeling, and we'll do the top five artists to accompany Teenage Moping, part two. Plus, does Lindsay Lohan's dad care if she's the gay? Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Although I think it's all just the regular, I think it's the regular deluxe cheese Easy Mac. I don't think there's like the bacon or whatever in there. I like the triple cheese myself. There's the tri- I haven't had Easy Mac in like 
Like well over a week and a half now. For what reason? I mean, my I had to re- wean myself off of it a little bit. I was kind of addicted. You know, my whole reason was just because the listener party was coming up, and I was going to have to pack myself like a sausage into like a sausage into some sort of a clothy uh, covering. I was going to have to go into a tuxedo. So that was my only reason. So now that the listener party's done, f it. I'm just going to eat badly every day. What the hell am I going to look for? I mean, what do what is the give me on a microphone every life? day? Life, <laughs> not being fat. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's a. Uh, I don't think that's going to carry any weight with anybody, sir. Okay. Uh, oh, by carry the way, any weight? Uh, yeah, I have no, I mean, I have no reason. And here's the, the other thing is it's just, I mean, I'm just too lazy. I was talking to, to Lara about this last night. I'm just too lazy to eat well. I think, like, if somebody, I sound like such a dumb American, but if somebody did all the work for me preparing my diet, I think I might care about eating I know, well. I why celebrities don't have as much of a problem as normal. Because they have, that's the thing, right? They have dietitians. Somebody who comes in and gives them the food they're going to eat. Because the... And, and it's you know it's a little tricky with you know because Lara said well I'll help you eat well but it's always a little it's always a little iffy with her because because she just does tend to go to extremes with things and so it's like she's gonna put me on some weird raw foods diet or something and I just uh, thank you no I'll uh, I'll pass on that so I don't think that but I mean it, no matter how strong your willpower is no matter how well you try to eat or the thing there's gonna come a day when you wake up you're late for work and you realize there's just no more tuna fish in the house. And so that's when you find yourself at Plaid Pantry walking across the street and, like, cooking yourself like a like a bad pizza pizza pocket. like. Oh, no, I'm not saying never, but I'm just saying I'm trying to eat it far less than I was. Oh, I'm going to skip to the bottom of the page, the part where I fall off the wagon. I'm just going to eat that way now. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, that, but the only reason I mention this is because a guy dropped off a big case of Easy Mac for us, and he says, did you get the Easy Mac that I dropped? Yes, I did, sir. Although I will say this Easy Mac that the guy dropped off, it's weird because it's not in the cups. That's the kind that Seamus got me, too. And I don't really have a lot of bowls at home, so I don't end up... It's so much work. I have to find so a tough. bowl. So tough. Have you noticed this, though, when you take that Easy Mac out of the... Think about the advertising we've given the Easy Mac people over the last six months or so. Because I went from never knowing that that product even existed to talking about it every single day. Mm-hmm. And now they've stocked it in the vending machine as well. So they brought. So the guy gave me the case of Easy Mac, but it's not like... It's not like the kind that's in the bowl, like an instant noodles thing that you see at the convenience store. We have to, we have to actually find a bowl. I have to find. I have to find. Well, in Life my case, is hard. In my case, I have to steal a bowl. I had to go into the kitchen and try to find somebody else's. There uh, are no bowl. bowls in the kitchen either. Well, there was until I used it, and then I found it was a microwave safe. Somebody, somebody had left a bowl in the kitchen, and I thought, well, I'll just use this person's bowl. I'll be sure to wash it and put it back when I'm done. And so I kind of sponged it out, and I put the Easy Mac in, and I put it in the microwave. And I'd use the boiling water out of the, you know, the, the tap or whatever. And I put it in the microwave and I'm, I'll microwave it for 35 seconds. How much damage could that do? If I hit start, I go out. And the problem is I didn't stand, I didn't stay there to monitor it. And so, because early on, would you agree that early on in microwave, well, see, you don't, you've always known a world with microwaves. I was sort of right there as microwaves entered the mainstream. And all, as a society, we all got like a crash course at the same time about what you could and could not do with a microwave. And there are things that everybody sort of learned. The three things that we learned out of my house were, A, you cannot put eggs in the microwave still in the shell, which now seems like retarded. Everybody sort of knows that. But at the time, there was no roadmap. There was no guidebook. There was no path laid out for us to tell us what you could and could not microwave and how. We were all just so bent on not putting metal in the microwave, which now I realize you can do after all. It doesn't make any difference. You so can? you can you can totally I, you can go microwave metal right now. I think they busted that myth on MythBusters. I say redundantly, but I think they I think on MythBusters they show that you can. I think they just took a. I think they actually took like a big handful of silverware and threw it in a microwave and cooked it, and there was no issue with it. Somebody might correct me on that, 
But I know I, that foil still catches fire. I think aluminum foil is the only thing that you cannot microwave, and it is because of the relative thinness of the metal. I learned that when one of my friends tried to heat up an old Zach Shack hot dog in my, <laughs> in my <laughs> microwave. Thing, just a conflagration yeah, inside. Yeah, didn't take it out of the foil. Yeah, I think you can't. The the, the only things I believe that you are not. Uh, non-food items that you're not supposed to microwave. I don't believe you can microwave aluminum foil. And I think they've actually said that you're not supposed to heat up water in the microwave. Like uh, like if you're going to make tea oh, or something. That. Yeah, but here's but you're not supposed to because it'll explode. I think there's some deal, like if you have just a, like a coffee cup and you fill a coffee cup with water and you put it in the microwave, I think they actually have documented, and again, I'm going back to Mythbusters on this, but I was about half asleep one night when I was watching it. It was just sort of one of those things that was on in the living room, and I was sort of there tr- laying on the sofa trying to process it. But at the same half of my brain was also trying to figure out whether I should go to bed or not. And I think they figured out that if you microwave a cup of water, and then if you touch it incorrectly when it comes out, it'll explode and kill you. So you may want to – I might be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. Um, no, I've microwaved water many, many, many times. Like whenever I have tea, I'll... Maybe it's that water. you're not supposed to microwave. Maybe it's that when you microwave water, you can't... There's something you can't put in it. Maybe it's like you can't put salt or something in it. There's something that if you add... Somebody will tell us. But there's something that if you microwave a cup of water and then you add something to it, it there's some weird, like, I don't know, some weird tabletop nuclear fission that happens, and then it, it'll blow your house to smithereens. So you don't want to do that. Uh, but the thing we all learned on as a culture were... You, that you can't microwave eggs in the shell, that you can't microwave sausages without poking holes in them, or else the entire, like the inside of the micro would be covered in little bits of sausage meat. The other thing we learned is that you have to poke holes in jalapeno peppers, because my dad decided to dry out jalapenos using the microwave. He failed to poke holes, and it just turned the entire house uh, into this sort of gas chamber, and we were obliged to check into a motel down the street for like an entire night. So, huh. anyway... Um, so I so I, I put the Easy Mac into the plastic cup, and I put the cup in the microwave, and I went out to the bathroom, and I came back, and the whole thing was just a pile of goo. And so I had to clean so I had to clean it out. But the thing you will notice if you take that Easy Mac out of the package is that it actually says on the side, in big helpful letters, it says, What's that? Want to cook two packages at once? No problem. And the side, this is how they know what a gigantic fat ass I am. Like, even without ever having met me, the people at Kraft know what kind of person uh, is going to be buying or using a case of Easy Mac. It is not a person who eats one serving. It is a person who often cooks three, four, five packets at a time. And so when you take it and you look at the side of the packet, there's all the instructions. Hi there, lardass. Here's how you can make three of these at once. So that is helpful. Oh, somebody will... Uh... Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. I was, you actually can boil water. I saw that Mythbusters. The thing is, you cannot boil pure distilled water. So it's but like tap water you can boil then? Yeah, because there's impurities. There's minerals and salt and that kind of stuff in there. But if you have pure distilled water, it doesn't rise to boiling. So if you, if you do a cup of pure water and then you were to stick a fork in it, then it would explode because you're adding an impurity into it. It just instantly rises to like mega boiling. And so distilled water, but you have to like go out of your way to get that. It's not oh, yeah, like bottled water. You have to water. really, you have to really work work to get that. All right, but yeah, because it it was kind of freaky actually because they showed you know they always do it where it's like they're viewing it through glass and there's a robot doing all the dangerous stuff and it's like the 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 water boils or they heat the they heat the cup of water in like a regular microwave and then the robot arm brings it out or whatever and then it drops a fork into it. And it's just, I mean, it's just like a nuclear blast. It was all kinds of unnerving. All right, thank you. Yeah, but regular water is cool. All right, thank you, my friend. All right. All right, there you go. Hey, you know what Mythbusters ought to do? Hmm. I'm just throwing this out there right now. Oh, by the way, God damn, have you seen that horrible Mythbusters photo that's floating around the net? No. It's of Jamie, uh, Jamie the, uh, he's the non, 
He's the guy that doesn't have the pirate mustache. Okay. Um, and the beret. It's a, it's a picture of him, and it's clearly a real picture. I don't know why this photo exists. It's a photo of him. Him what? Imagine uh, as though he were a nude woman giving birth in the delivery room. Except there's no. Except it's not in the delivery room. It's on a bed in what looks like a hotel room. Oi. And he's not giving birth. And I must be finding. He's this. nude. No, you don't want to see. See, but, but I think I want no, to. No, but you don't. You don't want to look at it now. Here's how I know is because somebody sent me the link to it, and they sent me a link to a censored version where the business is all covered with like a you know like a blur, and then it said click here to see the uncensored version, and it was but then it had like one like you don't want to do this, don't click here, and then I clicked, and it's like and I can't unsee it now. And he appears to be covered in talcum powder too. It's just there's so much wrong with that photograph. I don't even I don't even know why that photo. There's no reason for it to exist. I don't even know why. It doesn't even look like he's engaged in any kind of activity. It's like the photograph just exists for the sole purpose of horrifying people. I mean, there's no reason it's even there. Well, maybe it was for like a special lady or men friend. I suppose. Uh, well, we'll label bumper music here in a second. But the thing that Mistbusters ought to do, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm past sort of worrying about whether I spoil the film or not. But that whole sequence of Shia LaBeouf and, and the Jungle Vines, they ought to find a way to Mythbust that uh, to see whether that's possible. Because that's a thing that dates all the way back to like Tarzan films. You know, that's like Greystoke era stuff. And then, you know, but in 2008, Steven Spielberg's doing another film, so they ought to figure out a way to do that's that. That's actually really interesting. That's what I'm saying right there. Um, all right, uh, we'll do two quick things, and then we'll label our, uh, label our bumper music, and then we'll come back. Uh, we'll have Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour with news. Uh, then we will do the top five songs to, or artists to accompany Teenage Moping uh, Part 2. Um, somebody said, what is this about Lindsay Lohan being gay? I missed everything I have to know. Please, please, please tell me. Yes. Well, I don't know, because first... Now the dad is saying that she's not. There's some... Uh, uh, no, but he had gone to the media saying, like, obviously anyone with two eyes can tell. I mean, if you're not a moron, you can tell that, you know, her and Samantha are more than just friends. I didn't see... And this is Samantha Ronson, right? That Lindsay Lohan's close female friend. Mm -hmm. I didn't read the original article. All I've read now is the... It was as... Um, Michael Lowen, Lindsay Lowen's father, says his comments posted on the website of U.S. Weekly about his daughter's, quote, romance with Samantha Ronson were taken out of context and misinterpreted. He told the New York Daily News he did not know uh, if Lindsay was having a lesbian relationship with Ronson and that he did not ask his daughter about the subject. So now he is sort of retracting whatever it is he said uh, and saying that it was that it was taken out of context that it's not real or not. So anyway, did you see the photograph? Did you look at the photograph of, of Jamie from Mythbusters? Did you? Tell me you did. Oh. Did you see the uncensored one where you, you can yeah. see all of everything? See? Do you see I what I mean? I looked at it for like a half a second. Did though. you see? But it's too late, right? It's burned it's into your eyes. Goatsy style. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See? Why did you look at that? Because I just, I had to. Did you see the talcum powder? Yes. Yeah. Why? That's what that was. Okay, I didn't look long enough to understand well, what Well, I'm was. assuming it was talcum powder, or else he's just been, uh, he's doing like a tribute to Scarface or something. I don't understand. And I don't, do you see what I mean when I say why would that photograph even need to exist? Like, what would he be doing I mean, I can think of, I suppose, some activities that might follow such a pose, but it doesn't really look like he's in the mood for love there. It just looks like he's being sort of drunk and kooky. Maybe that's what, um, maybe no, that's... that looks like a propositioning photo. <laughs> looks like, hey, oh, really? I'm all talcumed up for you. <laughs> I got myself all powdered just the way you like it. Well, in any event, I mean... You know, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I pass no judgment. I'm just saying it, it doesn't... I wasn't... There was nothing... That really prepared me for seeing that photograph. Wow, you were right too. Yeah, I of Jamie from Mythos. No, you you shouldn't have. But now you'll remember it forever.
Good for you, Sarah Dillon. All right, let's do our uh, bumper labeling thing here, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley and uh, today's top five. Uh, so today, as we always do, uh, until it's finished, uh, we're going to take five of our bumper music beds uh, that have just uh, been in the system for like two and a half years and have never been labeled, much to our frustration and vexing. Uh, and we will go through and we will label them. And uh, in doing so, hopefully stem the tide of emails from people who hear a song or a bumper or whatever and then email us like hours after the fact wanting to know what it is when, of course, we cannot help you. All right, so here's bumper music number one. Number one. Once again, I give you bump number one. Um, it's up and on. Yeah, the, the Von Trapp Family Singers. Is it playing? Dumb question. Yeah, All right. Fine. Well, never mind then. I guess we'll take a break. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no explanation. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Tim Riley, have you more news for us around yeah. the corner? All right. Don't go anywhere. We return after this, ladies and germs. It's the Rick Emerson. Well, now it's playing. So this is an actual bump to come. Oh, that's playing out of the AV, whatever. All right, okay. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. All right. Well, I've been sufficiently ridiculed about the water in the microwave thing. Somebody points out, Rick, you are a retard. If it was true that water were explosive after being microwaved, then everyone in the world would be dead. <laughs> Jesus, microwaves work on the concept that they heat the water in an object, you know? That Kennewick education really comes through in a clutch, huh? Smart, smart, smart. All right, thank you, sir. All right, and so apparently uh, somebody else has said, in fact, many people have said that to the relief and uh, relieved size of everybody. Uh, so I guess that picture of Adam from Mythbusters has been debunked. Yeah, it's I guess disgusting. The photo yeah. itself has been busted. I don't know. I got. I was really. I was fooled, and I was fooled by the fact that there were two versions. That there was the censored version, and then, and then a real version. That and the fact that those guys seem like they are about half in the bag sometimes. So, all right. So Adam Savage from they do. They do seem constantly drunk. Yeah, That's not. Uh, not uh, that is uh, that is again not a uh, not a real photo. Thank the sweet merciful God above. All right, in just a moment, we'll uh, do the top five. This, however, is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, big-hearted Teresa Heckle of the Coom was in a hurry as the postman closed in recently. She... Big Heart and Teresa Heckle? Yes. Is that a comedy duo? She, she has a... She's a big-hearted woman Oh, okay. named Teresa Heckle oh, of okay. the Coom. I'm Big Heart, and this is Teresa Heckle of the Coom. Uh-huh. So... Uh, if you remember, the, the postman and postal ladies had a food drive a few days back, yes. asking people to, to leave cans of things. So uh, Teresa was, well, filled up a big bag full of cans. And when she was finished, she realized that she probably did something wrong. You see, tucked in with all those cans was a safe that held her jewelry, most of which were family heirlooms, including a wedding ring. Now, her safe was a can. Oh, I was just going to... Okay, this is one of those... Oh, okay. It's like one of those novelty safes that look like it looks like a can of tomatoes. looks like too. a can. All right. She completely forgot about it. It looks like a can of food, but it has a special lid on it. Uh, accompanied by her parents, she journeyed to the Clark County warehouse where the food was being sorted and distributed. But she was clearly overwhelmed by the size of the search. The canned food was at the bottom of dozens of pallets. <laughs> and they could not search them all. So, if you open up what looks to be a can of food... 
Also, the story doesn't end happily. No, it does not. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go, but like a needle in a haystack, that one lucky can was found. But it was never found. No, it's, it's, it's out there. It's in that Ark of the Covenant so warehouse So some somewhere. poor person is going to return all this, aren't oh, they? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the person who would receive food from the Oregon Food Bank is in no way going to keep or sell jewelry that they might accidentally find. Uh-huh. That's, like, oh, that's like the wonkest ticket of homelessness there. Yeah. All right, excellent. Well... Lucky for whoever finds it, unlucky for whoever that woman's name is. What's her name? Heckle? Heckle. Could she be more appropriately <laughs> named? Heckle. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, several emails about the sneezing thing. Rick, I thought I was the only one who sneezed when I plucked my eyebrows. It's a violent sneeze, too, and then my eyes water, and I have yes. to... Sorry, yeah, that's exactly the same thing. It's a violent sneeze, and then my eyes water, and I have to stop until it calms down. Tell, uh, tell Sarah she is not alone in this odd occurrence. You are not alone. You are never to blame. How about this one? Uh, we've got two different emails that say variations on this. Rick, my wife will always sneeze when she walks outside for the first time of the day and the sun is out. Uh, she doesn't sneeze much here in Oregon, but uh, whenever she sees the sun. And you know what? I got somebody else that just emailed me about that. They said that the sun makes them sneeze. It just makes no sense at all. So, all right, well, in any event, uh, you really ought to test out that exploding water thing with Richie. That's radio gold, you know. I think we'll pass on that. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the president said today that we're building Iraq and Afghanistan are proving difficult and, quote, we're learning as we go, unquote. That always ends well. So far, the learning experience has cost over 4,000 American lives and tens of thousands more Maine. Of course, we don't show those on television. No, of course John not. Wayne would never fight a war looking like that. No. So uh, we're learning as we go. And uh, he asked for uh, like $7 billion more to keep Maybe the next time we should learn before we go. Oh, that could be. I mean, I hate to speak out of turn here, but maybe the next time we ought to figure out, you know, what the F we're going to do before we actually get underway with everybody. Well, health researchers have identified a surprising new predictor of risky behavior running among the younger set. Is it waving your hand at the monitor for invisible specks of dust? There's something flying around here. Uh Uh-huh, I see Uh, it too. (laughs) There it is. I see them. I see them. They're everywhere. <laughs> Don't breathe in, Tim. They're going into your lungs. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. So all you kids out there, listen up. Stop drinking those energy drinks. Super caffeinated energy drinks with names like the Red Bull, Monster, Full Throttle, and Amp. What about Sparks? Does it say anything about Sparks? I don't, sparks? Say I don't think sparks. sparks is an energy drink. Well, they, they surge in popularity. About a third of 12-year-olds say they regularly down energy drinks, and they account for more than $3 billion in sales. It's got to be stopped. The trend has been a source of growing concern among health researchers and school officials. Around the country, the drinks have been linked to reports of nausea, abnormal heart rhythms, and emergency room visits. So, kids, stop it. Well, Start well. taking drugs like you used to. This, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the official opinion of CBS Radio News. Uh, Rick, you cannot microwave metal. I exploded a pan in a microwave. I was a kid, and it was the first time I used a microwave by myself. It ended poorly. I think maybe that's like an old... Uh, that might be the old-school microwave, though. I think at this point you could... I really... Now I just want to go microwave metal somewhere. I mean, I know they did it on There's Mythbusters. There's Jiffy Pop in there. But, it's the, but see, that's the thing. But I don't think you can microwave Jiffy Pop, though, because that's aluminum foil. Oh, and I think that's the one thing that it'll catch on fire. That's the one thing I think you can't do. You can ask Richie to do it. Yeah, I'll ask Richie to do it at his home. There's that oh, scene in... Timmy Ryan might do it. <laughs> Who's expendable, Timmy Ryan or Richie? Oh, uh, that seems like a radio bit we don't want to do. Yeah. No. That seems that that seems like a radio bit that's going to end in recriminations and hard feelings all the way around. Of course, I was only joking. If we, uh-huh. if we, start, if we start doing a... What about other guy? Don't forget other guy. Who? 
Oh, that other guy. guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He probably wants to move up the ladder. (laughs) Shimpy. Um, You know what sucks, too, is that he was really excited because the guy's name's Adam, and it was going to be Adam's first time on the show. Super excited because shows up on Monday This morning. last Monday when we Did didn't do a show. And, then... and I complain. And that's it is true, actually. So if you were at the listener party and you saw that intro film where it says, it's the Pimp Squad, Timmy Ryan, Richie Bristol, and the other guy. And it's a running joke that Adam, nobody remembers his name, that he's just the other guy in the Pimp Squad. <laughs> he's sort of like Anne on Arrested Development. Um, <laughs> and so he was all excited to come in this last Monday, Memorial Day, when we were going to be doing a show to screen the calls and everything. And then, A, we decided at the last minute not to do a show. And, B, I forgot that he even existed, and so I forgot to call him and tell him not to come in. So he did overnights on KUFO. It's not like nobody remember his name. You can't even, <laughs> I can't even bother to call him. And then he waited for he did overnights and then waited for four hours to do the call screening. And I came in, and I'm like, oh, Adam, I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. You won't be needed today. <laughs> I felt like such a jerk. Well, oh, rejection. you know, this is I mean, really, it's, uh, no, Richie, don't microwave metal. Don't microwave metal in the break room. That's an order. I'm seriously, no effing around. Don't go microwave anything. We're not like, this isn't some like reverse psychology this thing. It's not do a kooky radio bit. Do not go microwave anything. That's something some morning show might do. Well, wait and see, Tim. Uh, so in any event, uh, I'm looking, well, there's all these microwave calls. I don't think we'll have time to, uh, to get to most of these, but, um, what was my point? Microwaving metal? Blah, there blah, was blah, blah, no blah, blah. point. There never is a point because it just talked about, started about with the naked Mythbusters no. dude. Oh, and I was back on the thing about Tim saying who was expendable. And I was saying that we won't be doing a who on the raft gets eaten first uh, discussion. Uh, let's do like two more and then we'll do the uh, top five for today. I have one more. The solar era may be dawning for the iPhone. Apple has filed a patent for technology that will enable insertion of solar cells under a touch screen. If the patent is awarded, it has the potential to dispense with the need for the phone to be connected to a power supply. It could dramatically increase the battery life of an iPhone. As environmental concerns heighten, more companies are trying to develop solar power devices. Other manufacturers have introduced products like a small handheld solar charger and bags filled with thin solar panels. They can charge portable devices. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. In fact, it's, it's sort of astounding that there hasn't been a solar-powered iPod or whatever before now, except that they must want to screw you on the battery replacement. Yeah. Because isn't that the thing when your iPod goes dead, like you have to mail it in to get the battery repaired, mm-hmm. and then the battery costs some? How much the battery well, you cost? You can br- bring it to a genius bar, and it's a lot quicker. You can bring it to a genius bar. It's mm-hmm. quick. How much does it cost to repair the battery in an iPhone? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, or in an, in an iPod, rather. Have you had to do that? Well, it was done for me for free. Oh, I see. Was it now? Do they do they also give you a back rub and wave palm fronds at you? <laughs> Probably if I waited, would have waited long enough, but I was in a hurry. Fine, whatever. Here's uh, the top five for uh, five, Wednesday. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? Here's Tim Riley with today's Top 5. And some things are so universal that they can't be contained in a single list. Having plunged deeply into the world of teenage mop rock yesterday, we find many stones left unturned. 
Join us now as we count down the top five artists to accompany Teenage Moping. Oh, I'm part sorry. Part two. And before we do this, actually, we should just, to be fair to Sarah Wagner, as an honorable mention here, we should demonstrate uh, one of her songs here. So we were talking about the top five artists to accompany Teenage Moping, and Sarah Wagner saw fit to come in and sort of, like, upbraid me about our list yesterday. And she said, you know, you missed a whole lot of things in your list. And I said, like, what, for instance? And her response is that we ought to have more Eric Clapton on the list. So I want everybody now to stop and reflect upon this submission by Sarah Wagner. This is there a dog barking? This apparently being her moping soundtrack of choice. Really? I'm just saying. I could hear boys to men. She suggested. She suggested more Eric Clapton be on the list. End of the road is pretty morose. Well, I'm just saying. Hold on, let me see. Let me make sure that I've got my... Uh... And it has, like, some perky, like, Tom you... Cruise video along with it. And because I think it's from The Color of Money. I think that's what They're showing from. a lot of money. Yeah, I think this is the one where he was... It's like a pool hustling video. All right. These are the top five artists to accompany Teenage Moping, part two. Tim Riley. Number five, Bright Eyes. This was at the uh, insistence of Joni DeRoshi and a few other people. My wife is a big Bright Eyes fan. So is Dave Zinn, by the way. So Dave Zinn was a big help in trying to do, uh, trying to find the right Bright Eyes song. Joni's description was that it's emo beyond words. Mm, I tried to get into him. I just never worked with it. I know he's a little too pretty for my taste. I have difficulty believing that he's that upset about anything. He's rich and pretty. F him. I didn't want to tell you this. No, it's just some guy she's been hanging out with. I don't know the past. Is this like if Death Cab for Cutie is too upbeat for you? That Ben Gibbard, he's just too peppy. Oh, I could totally see somebody shuffling around their bedroom all sadly to this. Oh, yeah. Wondering what object in the room they should heat over a candle and then burn themselves with. We're jumping out the window for three hobbies. <laughs> we should have done that. Top five songs that were on the on the Greyhound Jumpers iPod. We can do it tomorrow. Oh man, I'm totally gonna do that for tomorrow. Fantastic. I mean, not for him. These are the top five songs to accompany Teenage Moping, part two. Tim Riley. Number four, Joy Division. Oh, that's me. Yes, it is. Joy Division. Sorry, I don't, but I don't have the list in front of me. I'm that's okay. I'm sorry. That's my fault for not giving you a copy of the top five. I love this song so much. See, here's the thing. I don't know anything about Joy Division. I don't know the song. I don't know anything by them. I don't know who they are. I've never even heard of her before. Somebody please tell me about Joy Division. I can't tell you about Joy Division. I know that they're a fabulous band from the 80s. This is Gustav music. This is. This is. Joy Division is Gustav music. And Depeche Mode. This... It's like right along the lines of Depeche Mode. Um... Oh, God. This is completely something that Gustav would listen to. I'm Gustav. Here's the modern mix. They used to say microphone with bright eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking to you in... Yeah, totally. He's singing in muffle vision. <laughs> He's speaking through the, the, the slurometer 5,000... I'd be depressed if I could hear it. I'm sure... It's not a very good recording. I was going to say, I'm sure whatever he's singing is really moving. You know how long it took you to just find this recording? I 
figured you just turned on KNRK and the odds were like one and two it was playing. They, yeah. I'm, and we're I'm, done. I'm, no, I'm getting another. <laughs> <laughs> Are we waiting to get another version? We Would we get to hear it again for the beginning? I think it's a slurry on this one. <laughs> Now I feel like I'm in a Family Guy episode, except we'll do this six more times and it'll become hilarious. <laughs> he's like he's singing from the other room. Is can we supposed... try this version? <laughs> can we play nothing but versions? Can we use this as bumper music all day tomorrow? Are, okay, I mean, I another one. Oh, here's a dumb, here's a dumb question. Is it supposed to sound like that? I guess so. That's the way the kids do it these days. I mean, really, it sounds like he's singing from inside a closet, like an actual literal closet. Well, I have nothing better to do. You're listening to KCMD Portland, by the way. You know, just in case you were wondering. Maybe he didn't have a microphone. They all need to practice their mic thing. This must be really easy to impose your own feelings onto the song, though, because no one can tell what he's actually saying. Should I look up the lyrics as well? No. Uh, Let's move on. These are the top five artists to accompany Teenage Moping. Number three, Leonard Cohen. <laughs> and this is the obvious choice, of course. Uh, but, uh... Everybody knows that the this is Mope music. Everybody but the thing is, all of his songs, they're all just this dismal and bleak. Even the happy ones. Even upbeat Leonard Cohen songs are just, it's just like one big dirge. This album's really good. The album that followed this is even better. The album, uh, well, and Ten New Songs and Songs for Heather are both really good. This reminds me of working at Maybe Go Boutique with Joni in the, in the afternoon. Totally. It's like one big sort of bleak sigh. It's all this back to back with Wainwright and uh, Air Supply. Okay. With people crying as they tried on clothes with this <laughs> I need a new pair of boots. <laughs> It'd be curious if we could spike the suicide rate just by just by playing these. Listen to a lot of XTC too. Yeah. Now I'm becoming depressed. All right, these are the top five songs to accompany Teenage Moping. Number two, Depeche Mode. Yeah. Ow. This is uh, from their, I would say, definitive album, Violator. Violator. Yeah. This is uh, Enjoy the Silence, and I think the follow-up to this was Ministry of Truth, Policy of Truth. Policy of truth. Every goth girl on planet Earth was into this in, you know, like 89, 90, 91, whatever it was that came out. I have this on my iPod. Oh, it's a great album. It really is. It, I would say, I mean, I know a lot of people like music for the masses, uh, but I would say that this is the definitive Depeche Mode album. You know, it, and we're not doing specific tracks or albums. It really is just, it's artists. Um, but... 
I will say that as much as this particular song sort of embodies sort of just trudging around your bedroom, feeling alone, wondering which of your many objects to cut yourself with. It's great if you're writing the Max. I will. <laughs> just sitting, washing your hands of all humanity. I will also say, you know what another, you know, another Depeche Mode song that you can sit around and be bleak to is Somebody. And Somebody by Depeche Mode is presumably a song about being in love with that perfect person. <laughs> but, of course, it's like, but you never listen to it when you're with somebody. That's the song. Somebody is a song you always listen to when you're alone. When they've dumped you for somebody younger and hotter, and then you sit at home and you listen to that song. Jesus. And we're done. All right. <laughs> Top five songs. The universe intervened. Top five songs to accompany uh, Miserable Teenage Moping, part two. Tim Riley. Number what one. is our number one? Sarah, do you have any guess? Um, Nine Inch Nails. Right. Then Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. This is the song that you find playing on the on the uh, like on the, on the stereo when you go in when you when you go in and Johnny John and Johnny's you know Johnny's from the rafters. Oh, this is what you hear okay. playing. I'm just saying. Do you know the song? No. This was like th no, this. Was, I, I figured. Remember, I picture like sad little boy sitting in the rooms alone. I totally. Listening to this. this is what precedes the cry for help, Sarah. So this was the follow-up to uh, Head Like a Hole, which was kind of Trent Reznor's breakthrough single. Uh, and this was sort of this was sort of the breakthrough track uh, that followed up. So this is something I can never have off a uh, pretty hate machine. Great song, though. Not, not like a tremendously peppy song. but Yeah, it doesn't sound very peppy. I realize now this is a low-energy choice. Why would you pick this one? <laughs> 35 beats like, a minute. You're a radio professional. You've been in the movie for 20 years. You know showstoppers. This is one of them. I should have been playing Head Like a Hole. Oh, no. Let's please keep listening to this one. Okay. I have something I can play from the break with. All right. Let's do that. Why? Then we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll get some of these calls. Okay. Here on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, Where we craft every moment carefully. <laughs> I realize now that was that was a badly put together top five. Thank you. Thanks so much. Back after this, kids, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get your phone calls around the corner. Like us at 3 Michael Maris Show at 7. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio <laughs> Program. Stay there. Saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, like is the three Michael Mara Show at seven. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi, uh, I just called to say your list is pretty good, but uh, I think that's more for teenagers about 15 years ago. It is true. Yesterday we had like My Chemical Romance and Stained and some more modern stuff, and then most <laughs> of the people who sort of chimed in with their own submissions were people about my age, so it is a throwback to an earlier time, yes. I'm telling you. I'm 20 years old, and I can make you a damn fine list of what kids are listening to today. Okay, do you want to do, like, top five top five cutter songs from 2008? I can do it. All right, hook me up, brother. All right, uh, you want me to email to you? Yes, please do. 
Will do. All right, thank you. There you go. Uh, let's do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Yes, sir. Great top five, man. I was listening to that thing, and I was sitting there looking for something to open a vein with. God. Way to end the show on and up, sir. Thank you. Well, you got a second? Sarah? Hello? You have like two seconds. What? What's up? Okay. I'm one of the listeners that came back, and glad you guys are back on. With Richie, that deal he was doing on uh, things he'd stripped to, you've got to do that again on song number two and have him say... It puts the lotion on its skin before it gets the hose. And we're done. See y'all tomorrow. Like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. (laughs) Took one call too many. It's actually coming in a diplomatic count. Yeah.